0: Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. The best teams start with great talent. Unfortunately, one of those teams is not Oklahoma City right now. We're going to be talking about Westbrook Trades in a second. Um, Teams built through the draft, smart trades. Looks like Oklahoma City is going to be able to do both of those things. Well, no one knows the importance of talent more than ZipRecruiter. They deliver qualified candidates fast, so effective four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter. Get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And my listeners, that counts as you. They can try it for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash BS ZipRecruiter. As always, is the smartest way to hire. We're also brought to you by Whole Lotta, the tasty new fruit, nut, and seed bar from Cliff Bar, the soft baked snack bar with all the goodness you want, like pumpkin seeds. Almonds, cashews, dried cherries, ginger—none of the stuff you don't want, like you know, gluten, soy, daisy-added sugar. It's packed with ten grams of plant-based protein. Visit cliffbar.com/slash-bs for thirty-five percent off a trial pack of Cliff Bar's new whole lot of bars. That is Cliff Bar with one F. Cliffbar.com/slash-bs. We're also brought to you by theringer.com, the world's greatest website. Well, right now you can tell it's July. Because we're doing something that is super, super stupid and also delightful. It is the Annoying Kids Bracket for uh, for TV. Basically, it's the AJ Soprano Coronation Bracket. I saw this. I'm re- I can't wait to see how it plays out. Dana from Homeland's involved. Kim from 24. It's all your favorites are in there. We're going to decide once and for all who's the most annoying one of all of them. Again, you can tell that it's July and there's not a lot going on right now. But this is when the ringer is the ringer. This is when we thrive. Uh, speaking of thriving, Joe House is here, and we're going to do Westbrook Trades. We're going to talk about Euphoria. We're going to talk about why we're turning on Las Vegas. Shea Serrano is coming a little bit later, and we're been talking. This podcast is going in a whole bunch of directions, and then a very dark one at the tail end. I, I don't want to give too much away, but that's all coming up first. Our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, so we had a feeling this was coming. There's reports breaking early evening East Coast time. Who else? Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that Russell Westbrook welcomes the idea of a trade that would bring his OKC tenure to an end. We are going to talk to Joe House about all these Westbrook trades in a second. It's something we taped a couple hours earlier than this report because we knew this was coming. It was no secret. Once his name was floated in the Toronto thing and. You know, I got some feedback that he's he's ready. So um, Wojcicki says he wants to play for a team pursuing contention. Um, man, that's that's a slim slim pickings for teams that uh, actually have a chance to trade for him, as we're about to discuss. But that is happening. This is in motion. So we did not have we didn't have not have that knowledge when we started taping this podcast, but we had the knowledge of everything else. Also wanted to give a, a shout out to Coco. I really enjoyed her watching her in the Wimbledon. And shout out to the Women's National Team. Just so much fun to watch them. I loved Rapino. I loved the the being ice on penalty kicks. Rose Lavelle breakout performance and um it was fun watching her put it together as the tournament went along and then you could just see her blossoming not as a star but as like you know, the engine of that team and then all culminating. in one of the better goals, a messy like goal to put the uh, world cup away. But I really enjoyed the women's world cup. Here's the thing. Why can't it be every two years? Why, what the hell are we doing? It's not like, at least on the men's side, there are all these reasons in the premier league and it's so hard and the players and everybody's playing these crazy schedules. And on the woman's side, it just seems like we could figure out how to do this World Cup thing every two years, and everybody's happy. I don't know what they're doing. Also, give, give them more money. You know who should have stepped up? Nike. It's, like it's They made, like I think, 250000 for to win the World Cup per player, and then the, the men, it's like four times as much. Nike, just make up the difference. The PR will be worth it. Go ahead. Give them the $20 million. Do it right now. All right. We're going to bring you Joe House. All right, we're taping this on Monday here in Southern California. Joe House is here. We're in Vegas over the weekend at Caesars Palace. We're going to talk about Vegas later. We're also going to talk about Euphoria later because House and I have some thoughts on that show. And uh, a couple other pop culture things. Coming up after this segment, Shay Serrano is going to come on and talk about Kawhi Leonard being the master manipulator and, uh, and some Westbrook stuff too. But we want to do some Westbrook stuff right now. Russell Westbrook is going to get traded. And I think it's actually going to happen before the season starts. And I think he wants it to happen. The one thing I have not figured out is, was OKC, OKC was using Toronto's leverage, as we know, to try to drive the price up for the Clippers and to make the Clippers think they had to pay 200 cents of the dollar to get Paul George. In the process of that, they put Westbrook on the table for Toronto. They offered Westbrook and Paul George together for Siakam, some expirings, and they wanted foreign protected picks. This is what's been reported. Um, They could obviously get a lot more from the Clippers. But that was the first time Westbrook's been on the table. Now they get rid of Paul George. There's no reason to keep Westbrook, as we talked about on Saturday's podcast. He's going to get traded, and this is the right time to trade him. The question is, who trades for him? And I went around the league. Tried to identify some teams. And Joe House, we're going to talk about it. We're going to b- I'm going to bounce these off you.
1: I'm very excited. I think the interesting thing in, in your setting this up, you talked about Oklahoma City offering Westbrook to Toronto. My perception, my impression was that it was more of an insistence. Like, if you want Paul George, the price is Russell Westbrook because – I think all things considered, Oklahoma City's preference would have been to ha- get everything done all at once, yeah, and not have to go through this two-step uh, exercise. Uh, but it's clear that they cannot live with Russell Westbrook's contract. I think the funny thing is they would love to continue to live with Russell Westbrook. He is the face of the franchise, um, you know, more than any other player since that they they moved to. Uh, Oklahoma City from Seattle, And he's right? the
0: guy who stayed.
1: And he's the guy who deliberately stayed. They made a big point about him staying. They propped his ass up to, ha- to average a triple-double for an entire season. I mean, he did a historical thing for them. They were all complicit in it. That was a franchise-level decision, and... Here we are in this moment. Kawhi picks up the phone and says, yo, PG, I need you. And bam, the Oklahoma City era is, is over. Except here, here's the thing that, that's interesting to me. I give Presty credit. He knew that, that the ceiling for that team as currently configured is is what he experienced, which is first round playoff exits. It was the
0: Oklahoma City first round exits. That's it. (laughs) That's the name of that team. So the problem for them is Westbrook makes 38.5 this year, 41.35 the next year, 44.2 the year after that, and then a player option at 47. And I think they've established what the ceiling is for them with, with this team. Now they're in a transition. They traded Jeremy Grant today to Denver for a 2020 first rounder that saved them reportedly about $39 million in luxury tax. They're still $2 million over the luxury tax. They have to get under it. There's other ways to do that. They had got so many picks in the Clippers trade, they can get somebody to take Andre Roberson for a year um, and throw them a pick. But it seems like it would make more sense for them to reset this whole thing and really try to, you know, so not only reset it for themselves but take advantage of somebody while he still has value. I've gotten so much more so many conflicting reports on what people think Westbrook's value is. I I've, I've had a couple of people tell me they think it's the second worst contract in the league. Like even worse than Chris Paul's contract. Because or, you have four more
1: years of it. You can't talk about worst contracts in the league and not talk about John Wall. I said I mean,
0: second worst contract. Oh,
1: you said Chris Paul, though. Yeah,
0: I, no, I mean, oh, I'm I saying... See. Wall is Wall's, the undisputed one. No,
1: Wall's one. one. Wall's yeah, the Wall goat is of one. bad contracts <laughs> the, right The there. goat of bad contracts is the John Wall contract. Two is either Chris Paul or Wes or Westbrook. That's what... what I, I mean, it's
0: Paul's is worse. Well, no, but Paul's is shorter. Okay. Westbrook is four years you're looking at like 185 million or something next 4 years for for Westbrook and i was just looking at his stats he's played 821 um regular season games and he's played 98 playoff games so he's he's approaching the 1000 game mark potentially even this season and those are hard minutes it's a lot like I have stuff written about Dwayne Wade in my archives from the 2000s about wondering what his longevity was going to be as a superstar, when the the kind of hits he took, and they did, even did the Nike commercial about what was it fall fall eight times, get up nine yeah. times or whatever. Yeah. And Westbrook is the same way. And Westbrook's had he every year he has to get like his knee cleaned and stuff like that. He's had some, you know, he's he's. I wouldn't say he's a hundred percent. I wouldn't say he's ninety percent. He's probably eighty-eight percent of where he was physically three, four years ago. And OKC has had a chance to look under the hood with him for years now. And if they were anxious to move from him, I would think that would be one of the reasons, right? Well, I, I, I
1: mean, are they anxious? It feels like the circumstances make them anxious. It doesn't feel like um, they would be anxious because of concerns about him, uh, his diminishing health, he still has a chance to reinvent himself as a player. He, he wants to take the three-pointer. He's just terrible at it. Uh, and as long as he's still a threat to go to the hole the way that he has, the way he's demonstrated, that's a real risk. Defenders have to play him that way. Yeah. If he could get better at the three-pointer, it's a, it's a different kind of player altogether. And that feels like a skill that is still uh, uh de-
0: developable, right? It's weird. He's, he's, I agree with you. I don't think he'll ever be a better three-point shooter than he is now. I just think he's. Well, that a, means he's going to be terrible because he's, he's a terrible three-point shooter. shooter. I think he's, but he's killed us gambling-wise. because well, he, he
1: only needs to make one for us to lose our bets. That's right, easy.
0: <laughs> but um,
1: let me ask you this. This, this is the way the decision tree, it feels like to me. In the first place, what's your view on whether or not he's going to have a say in where he's going to go? Is Oklahoma City going to like you know, make this a, a, uh, a collaborative effort where they listen to Russell's input?
0: I, th- I think they could give a shit. Okay. well, And that'd... if it ends up on a team that he wants to go to, great. I do think they are listening to him.
1: So, because but... the, the other thing, the corollary to that is, does it matter to Oklahoma
0: City if he stays in the West? Do you think they care? I don't think smart teams care about that. Okay. I think Popovich, the whole stuff about there's no way they're trading him to the Lakers, that the Lakers had offered what they offered the Pelicans a few weeks ago. The Spurs are doing that deal. I'm sorry. And so the question for me, there's two different questions here. What, what's the best trade for him? But the first question is, could we still salvage this thing with Westbrook? Because what's getting lost in this, look, I'm probably on the side of not a Westbrook fan. And, you know, even like when I, back when I still wrote in 2017, I was like, I just can't vote for this guy for MVP. I don't care. I don't, I don't stand by this whole, you know, stat chasing stuff and a whole team construct around him getting triple doubles just isn't my cup of tea. But man, you look at this decade now that's done. He was all NBA second team in 2011, 12, 13, and 15. He was first team in 16 and 17. He was second team in 2018. He was third team last year. I thought he should have been second. Kyrie Irving got second team over him, which I think is ridiculous. Oh, my god! I was also there for the whole Kyrie Irving season. But for him to be rewarded as a top 10 guy for the season Kyrie gave, Westbrook was bad for him for the first two months. But I actually thought he was pretty good, especially after the All-Star break. And, uh, you know, he's still one of those guys. He matters. And my first question is, do you keep them? Do you try to? You just you stumbled into this situation where you just got two hundred cents on the dollar for Paul George. You got the most incredible haul anybody's ever gotten for a superstar. You got all these picks oh, and assets. Hit pause. Did, did they? Is it two hundred cents? Where do oh, you think yeah. those picks are going to be? Well, the, here's my question: You have Bradley Beal, right? Yes. The thing is, uh, we we're not trading Bradley Beal unless you. Unless John Wall is involved, that's the we're right not thing discussing to say. him. We want to build around him.
1: That makes sense. They should say that. If
0: OKC went to Washington right now and said, "We'll give you seventy five percent of what we just got for Paul George for Bradley Beal," one hundred percent, I would take that right away. Would you take fifty percent? No,
1: it's got to be seventy five percent. Would you higher. take?
0: Would you take Shea Shea Gilgis? Um, let's say. Andre Roberson's expiring and um, Patrick Patterson's expiring to add up to the Beal numbers. And then I'll, I'll give you four of the picks I just got. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. So yes. why
1: would an OKC do that? They might, they might, right? Or
0: maybe there's a way to do, I'm trying to think, but maybe they could get under the luxury tax and bring Beal back. I guess the 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 fear would be Beal wouldn't want to re sign there in two years.
1: The other thing though is how does that help OKC? What's the ceiling of Beal and Westbrook if P- PG thirteen? I'm and- just
0: giving. I'm giving them. I'm trying to figure out can how can I still compete with Russell Westbrook? I have all these assets. Who can I go get to try to still be a potential championship contender? Now I don't think if you got Bradley Beal. You're basically flipping Bradley Beal for Paul George. You're right. not a you're another first round exit. Right. Exactly. That's is great. there anybody out there they could get? I went through all the teams and it's like, you know, you go through the top 20 players in the league. I just think all of them are taken. We the merry-go round went around, it went around, and it stopped, and there's nobody for them to get.
1: Well, the problem they have is they can only do two guys. They have, it's West Westbrook plus one other superstar. They can't do a third under the as as currently constructed. Steven Adams is the is the block to
0: that. So you look at, let's go top 20 guys in the league. Kawhi taken. Giannis, Harden, Curry, Anthony Davis, Jokic, LeBron. All those guys are off the table. I would say they're off the table. Embiid, Paul George, Durant, those guys are off the table. Off the table. Dame Lillard, Beal, Towns, Oladipo, Kyrie, Kemba, Butler... Beal and towns maybe gettable.
1: Beal and towns and Westbrook together, that team, those, No, those no, three? I'm saying oh, one each of those two. one or the other. Yeah, it's not enough. It's not enough. It doesn't do it. Maybe
0: Towns. Would you offer everything they just got for Paul George for Carl Anthony Towns? hm And if you're Minnesota, would you do it? If I'm Minnesota,
1: I would definitely do it. Absolutely, you would do. It. You you
0: flip Towns. towns like there's just too much. He's under, he's got they have him for like four more years. But the the problem is when is it gonna click for him?
1: He just takes too many stretches off.
0: Well, he was good the last half of the season. Where was he? But the, it was like there was they, the meaningless they games. They missed the playoffs. Yeah. Like you can't have a guy who of his stature who he's
1: supposed to be at the contract that he's, you know, receiving and miss the effing
0: playoffs. It's fair. He's in. I, I always called it uh you know, there's levels, right? Superstar, all star, star. Superstar, you're making the playoffs if that guy's on your team. And I think Westbrook qualifies. Oh, they I make the playoffs. That. They made the playoffs with him in 2017. He was the only really good to great player they had. Totally agree. Um, all right. Draymond, Gobert, Clay, whatever. Those they they're not getting and then you go into the Doncic, Zion, Mitchell group. My point is, unless it's Beal or Towns, and I, I'm with you, I, don't, I think Beal is a good building block for them, but they would still then have to get a third piece. I don't think they're thinking that way. I, think, I'm, I actually think they've stumbled into a great situation. They had just a ceiling on where they were going, and that ceiling was the first round, maybe second round with an upset. And now they get a rebuild around more picks than really anybody's ever yeah, had. it's
1: rebuild rather than retool. That's what we're talking about. They could retool with Russell and try and, you know. I mean, what the Clippers did is incredible. The Clippers yeah. m- model now, like, I, I still... Don't know who I would say is like their best player. Who is the best player? I mean, it's Lou Williams because of of how his ability to score and the, their incredible fourth quarter? You are talking about scoring. regular season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like Who's the best player? Oh, well, Kawhi is, but no, 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 on the last year's Clippers. Oh, yeah, that yeah, incredible. Yeah. They retooled. They moved Lob City. On they retooled on the fly. They had an assembly of a, a team. Said, I'm sure you and I both took the under. On the Clippers' forecasted win total for the 2018-19 season, and they beat the pants off of everybody's expectations. So that's like the retool model, but yeah. you have to just be lucky, crazy lucky with with who you have assembled and who the coach is, and you know for, for
0: that retool well, the thing is, approach to work. Gallinari was probably the second best player in the Clippers last year. He was good last year. He, he sucked in the playoffs. He was so healthy. He sucked in the playoffs in a contract year this year, but he's a twenty point scorer, right? This is kind of the underrated thing with this Thunder team. If you actually look at their roster, it's it's not it's not like a wizard situation. They have Westbrook, who I still think is a top 12 guy. They have Gallinari in a contract year. They have Shea Jildress-Alexander, who I think is really good. They have Roberson coming back. They have Steven Adams, who until the last kind of six weeks of the season in the playoffs, I felt like was playing as well as he's ever played. Um, so you're making the case for a retool rather than a rebuild. I'm just wondering if they could if they could get Beal. What does that team look like? A first round playoff exit. It's you the think? West. The problem
1: is, it's the West. The West
0: is sick now because you would have Shea, you'd have Westbrook, you'd have Gallinari, you'd have Beal, and you have Steven Adams. It's yeah. a
1: pretty good starting five. Is that are they better than the Warriors?
0: Well, the the Warriors with with Clay Thompson and a. In a cast,
1: yeah. No, I bet, but you know, come playoff time, like who are your yeah. top, what, what yeah, are the seeds going to look like, right?
0: I would think long and hard both ways. I personally would trade him because um, of the nine hundred games thing in the contract, and I think there's some desperate teams, which we're about to get to.
1: So it, it does feel like his maximum value
0: is now, it's, right? His value is not going to be higher than now, right? So Miami is the team that we talked about on Saturday's pod. That's gotten a lot of traction in the last three days. It's the type of move they make. They it, already have Jimmy Butler there. There's something about Westbrook and Butler together. And uh, Riley. And yeah. And just the whole culture there. It just fits in him going from OKC to South Beach would be cool. Uh, they great organization. Good training staff. It seems like it seems like it. Um, just kind of makes sense. He's a, he's another star. Um, I could see that one. And I was trying to, I I did on Twitter today. I was trying to figure out the perfect trade because here's the problem with Miami. They're a hard cap team. Mm-hmm. And what that means is they can't make any trade where they're taking even $1 back more than what they're giving out. So it has to be less. And if you're OKC, Part of why you would trade Westbrook is because you're trying to dump money. They're, the grant trade, they're like $2 million over the luxury tax right now. So it wouldn't have to be that much. But Miami doesn't make sense because that doesn't accomplish their objective of getting under the tax unless they made a separate trade. So my idea was if, if they involve Dallas, Dallas has $23 million in cap space. They also have a giant trade exception uh, for Harrison Barnes. They could fit Goran Dragic's expiring contract at $19 into that trade exception. He is somebody that was Luka Doncic's mentor on the Slovenian teams. Um, They actually need a point guard too, ironically. And if you use Dallas as the gatekeeper for this trade, then OKC could end up with Justice Winslow, Courtney Lee, who's who's expiring, Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard, who uh each have 2 years left 23 million combined. Miami would end up with Westbrook and Steven Adams. And OKC would save 15-16 million and be able to start over and have a lot more flexibility. So why is my
1: uh Dallas enticed to say yes this time to Dragic because they said no to him in terms of accommodating um the acquisition of Butler? That's well, the problem with this trade. Why is Dallas now saying yes? Um, what are they getting out of it?
0: I s- I personally don't understand why Dallas wouldn't want Dragic. I didn't understand that the last time, because my goal for them would be I just want to make Luca happy at all times. I, w- I would want him to have a big brother on that team, and they actually need a point guard. I liked what they did signing Delon Wright, but um, they still need an actual point guard.
1: Is it a is it a gimmick if you have Zinger and Dragic and Doncic all together? A gimmick in what way?
0: Just you know, they're not that, winning the title.
1: Uh, all right, so the the identity of that team
0: is uh so you're down so all right let's we'll get rid of dallas then so oklahoma city and miami just they make a trade and okc then has to figure out how to get rid of roberson or patrick patterson to get under the tax after that because there's really easy trades for them to make it could just westbrook makes 38.5 winslow courtney lee myers leonard however you you three guys is going to add up to the 39 and they can make the trade and then dump somebody And
1: for Oklahoma City, that would be just about the dollars. All I care about is being rid of that contract. The asset to them is being out from under that contract. Well, the other
0: problem is Miami doesn't have any picks to trade. But OKC owns Miami's 2023 lottery protected pick. And what they could do in that trade is waive the protections. Uh, That's valuable. So it's like now that is now an unprotected 2023 pick. That's valuable. So that's a possibility. Um, A couple other teams. Okay. Let's take a break, talk about Luminary, a new podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. We're excited about it because it's the only place you can listen to our new show on the Ringer Network. It premieres Tuesday, July 9th. That is right now, basically. Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock, 1999 a legendary festival for just about all the wrong reasons. It happened on the 30th anniversary of the original Woodstock Festival that everybody loved so much. Uh, And then in 1999, uh, it just went badly. Riots, looting, numerous assaults. And it was set to the soundtrack of the era's most aggressive rock bands during a very strange time for music. Really everything went wrong. The original Woodstock was known for peace love and hippie idealism. Woodstock 99, Revealed some hard truths behind the myths of the 1960s and the danger that nostalgia can engender. Uh, Along with Woodstock 99, Luminaire gives you access to a bunch of other original shows from innovative, dynamic creators you can't find anywhere else. Shows from Trevor Noah. Shows from Hannibal Buress. I mean, it's all over the place. We have Rewatchables 1999, our spinoff of the Rewatchables that you can listen to, whether you're into music, TV, and film, comedy, sports, whatever you want. Luminary is the right show for you. Check out Woodstock 99 and so much more. Only on Luminary. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash Simmons. After that, it is only $7.99 a month. Yet again, that is luminary.link slash Simmons for two months of free access. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. We haven't talked about this. I've been holding out on any- you. The Detroit Pistons. Oh. They're already all the way the fuck in on Blake Griffin. <laughs> ATWFI. All in. Um, all in. They they have Drummond's contract, but I think if you... They, it could be Drummond and, you know, the, you could get ambitious, but I actually think you'd probably want to keep Drummond if you're doing Russell Westbrook. What they do have is... Um, Reggie Jackson's expiring, eighteen point one million. How funny would that be?
1: Tony Snell. They kick Reggie Jackson's ass to the curb, and then they took back his expiring <laughs> then contract. They take it back. It's a double fu.
0: They have uh, Langston Galloway, who's an expiring at seven point three, so now we're up to twenty five point three, and then Tony Snell is at eleven point five, but is has a player option for next year. So you do those three. Throw in Patrick Patterson on OKC side so they can save more money. And then Detroit gives them a pick. And Detroit goes, we have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, the lineage to the bad boy Pistons and the kind of tough Piston from Lambier and Isaiah. And then last decade, and now we have this new tough Pistons team. It's conceivable. It's, I, I, in the very first place, at the
1: 25,000 foot level, I'm rooting for Russell, Russell Westbrook to be in the East, because the East is open. There, there, there are Mom. opportunities available in the East. The West is going to be a, a, a climb, like you know the, getting over the the Clippers and the Lakers for anybody. I, I mean in Houston, you, you know we, we just had we were in Daryl Morey's company Saturday night, and he said uh, out in public, i like my team." He did. I'm bringing it back. This is, you know, we like our chances. We like the way we probably get traded for Westbrook tomorrow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. Daryl did say during that podcast or during the live show, he made the point, which I think is a really important point. And we've talked about this on the pod before. It's a 30 team league, and there's like 25 guys that matter, unfortunately. And you have some young guys and stuff, but ultimately, year to year, there's like 20 to 25 like really, really good to great players. And anytime you have a chance to get one, you should try to get one. So if you're Detroit, they did that Blake Griffin trade, which really was able to remake the Clippers and allow them to get Kawhi. But Detroit would have never had a chance at Kawhi, you know. They cap space does nothing for them. It ends up leads to John Lauer, people like that. Right. Um, John Lauer, Lauer, John Lauer, 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 John Lauer, not Matt Lauer, Matt, not Matt Lauer, Matt Lauer is not somebody you want in your cap space, but. You're better off if you're a team like Detroit trading for a star that you wouldn't be able to sign if you had cap space, which is West Westbrook. Absolutely, 100%. I I think it makes a ton of sense uh, for Detroit. One other wrinkle with that, those guys that, you know, the the basketball players are all generational. And that generation was like, you know, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine. KD, Michael Beasley, Blake Griffin, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love. Like all those guys have basically grown up together. And I'm sure Blake Griffin and Russell Westbrook have known each other forever. Yeah. That'd be fun. I, those two guys on the same team would be fun. Right now, OKC is not fun. You know, There's nothing else, fun about Westbrook well, you know and OKC is, anymore. Isn't fun? Detroit. Right. It's not any fun to watch that team. No. So that would be fun. I don't think they'd win the title, but at least they... they the, the thing with Detroit is they're all in anyway with this team. Yes. They're paying $65, 66000000 for Blake Griffin and Andrew Drummond. Now, you could take this deal and put Drummond in it too and get Steven Adams back would be another way to do it. Um, Another team, we mentioned Carl Anthony Towns before. What if Westbrook went to Minnesota? Hmm. So they have Jeff Teague's $19 million expiring and then it gets a little more complicated. I think Robert Covington would basically have to be involved in this trade. I don't think OKC would go anywhere near Andrew Wiggins.
1: Yeah, they don't. They don't want to be the project. The project salvage Wiggins' career, right? They don't want to have anything to do with that. Somebody so, is going to take that that risk. I mean, Charlotte seems like the best the leading contender for that.
0: Well, what if Minnesota said, "We'll give you, we'll we'll do Wiggins, we'll do Wiggins and Teague right now for." Westbrook and That doesn't help Andre Oklahoma Robles. City
1: The whole point of, of Oklahoma City trading Westbrook No but I'm saying
0: They would be able to cut tax But they would basically Be like Wiggins and Teague For Westbrook And contracts That get you under the tax I would not do that If I was OKC No No Absolutely Wiggins not. Wiggins legitimately Frightens me Yeah I You know You know how I feel about guys That if I'm at a basketball game And I don't notice them For two quarters I'm out Right I mean, it's like, oh, you were out there. I didn't realize. That's my uh,
1: concern with Towns. He disappears sometimes, he too. He does. And this is why I asked you uh, a little earlier about Westbrook having a say in it. I think that Russell Westbrook what, watched Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. I think all great players watched what happened with, in Minnesota with uh, Jimmy Butler. And, and you know, they, they all these guys talk. They ask, hey, Jimmy. How how would you think about Towns and Wiggins? What do you, answer do you think Jimmy
0: Butler gives them yeah, that about been playing with those guys? Do you, would you really trust Jimmy Butler for any input on anything, though? Well, I, I mean, he's had a problem. Every team he's been on, he's he's left unhappy and bitter at people.
1: I don't know that that's true. Who was he unhappy with in, at the Sixers? He didn't leave because he was unhappy. Okay. He, he left for the triple P.
0: <laughs> he he left because he did he didn't believe in those guys it was part of why he left. Well, he didn't think I, those guys were serious enough about winning titles. I I think one guy I honestly
1: believe that 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 he and Embiid uh, he looked at the situation. and He's like they have to solve a Ben Simmons problem. How what's their appetite for doing? So he he's also worried that? about
0: Embiid's appetite. <laughs> Maybe the fact that he's playing with an extra thirty five pounds for reasons that are may not clear. So. Minnesota, I thought, was a fun one because they have towns anyway. He's a year away from his pre-agency where he starts going, it's time for me to find a new team. I don't like it here anymore. And Can he play hard for one year? Is that too he much was, to ask? I'm telling you, he was good the last couple months of the season. I asked for a year, not just okay. a couple months. For a year. All right. I'll ask him. He might come on the podcast this summer. I'll ask him. That would the, be Joe great. House wants to know if you can play hard for a whole year. I, what I didn't like is he was in such a funk the start of last season, right? But is clearly one of the nine or ten most talented guys in the league. I agree with this. I I believe in him though. I think he's going to tap into it. I, think I I've come around on towns.
1: Well, how about this? This is the thing. You had the opportunity to sit with the commissioner of the NBA, and he mentioned as one of the top sort of concerns uh, that from from the players is their overall kind of unhappiness. Yeah. Well, is is Carl Anthony a guy that that you know? Uh, can we go through some kind of exercise to get himself happy? To be happy with the team he's on. His life situation. What's going to make him feel better about himself?
0: Russell Westbrook? Maybe.
1: <laughs> I just want to say. He doesn't say, respond well to being yelled at because Jimmy Butler tried that.
0: Yeah, that, that seemed to me a big brother, little brother thing, though. Okay. You got a 30-year-old man. Who's led a whole life and who's very alpha E versus like somebody who's still a kid, who's being asked to be a franchise dude who's not ready for it yet. You lived through it in Washington with Chris Weber. Yeah, he was the franchise. He was like twenty three. I mean, they, there were a lot of reasons that went wrong, but it's it's tough when you put that on somebody when they're if pretty, they're not ready, really relatively young. Yeah. I know I wouldn't have been ready at age twenty four. So I like the I like the idea of Minnesota with them. San Antonio is another one. Where if it's if it's basically just a DeRozan Westbrook flip, let's ask Shay about that. Yeah, we'll ask Shay about that coming up. But that's you know that would save. There's ways for that to work. Where OKC okay, so could save nine million. Now it's Shea Gilgis, DeRozan, Gallinari, Stephen Adams. You've you're under the tax. You can kind of reboot, and you have all these draft picks coming. I think that would be my preference if I was them. Because I would. I don't know if I'd want to bottom out if I were them, because I don't think they have to. I, I still like some of their you're, players.
1: You're, that's, I like that retool. Out of all the retools we've talked about so far, that one's my favorite.
0: Orlando seems like they're out, because inexplicably they bought out Mozgov's contract last weekend. Fucking dumbasses. Why did they do that? I don't know. To save money, I guess. Maybe they wanted to... I don't know. I'd, who knows? But... I'm just not buying out expiring contracts when these guys are moving around constantly. It's a it's it's the currency. Expiring contract is the currency. So then the other one would be uh I guess we have to just talk about the wizards if no, there's some no, sort no. of no, there's no anything. scenario under Westbrook. No that scenario makes at sense. all? No, no, no.
1: No, that's it's not it's not uh feasible because you you can't swap wall for Westbrook. I thought the team, I mean, I'm dismissing the Wizards. So in the yeah, okay. conversation, now. I thought the team you were going to say when you said, I guess we have to talk about was? The Knicks. The Knicks, of course.
0: It, can't, it couldn't happen in December. And I don't think, from what I've heard, they want no part of them. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. That would be another smart Knicks uh, uh, moment. So if you and I were GMs of a team, I would run from Russell Westbrook. I would not even listen. That's interesting. I, cause I, I, would, just, I would fight with you. Wait, you would? We are the GMs on the same team, like you're the lead and I'm your assistant. No, I'm saying if I had a chance to win the title. Yeah. Very, no, no. Let's say we're co-GMs. Okay. I just, I, to me, it's not worth the risk with where he is injury-wise. um Who's How many coach? games he's played. Well, I'm just saying like in a vacuum, I would, I would be like, eh, no thanks. But if I'm a team like Detroit or Minnesota, where... I'm just basically trapped in a in a padded room with no way out and no chance at anything. And now I have this guy who's a top twelve guy in the league still, and a chance to add him to somebody else is really good. And this is like a rare opportunity to get somebody like like him. I would have to think about it because what are my other options? It's it's a terrific injection, like a breath of fresh air. Think about your
1: season ticket holders. Think about putting some asses in seats it changes the dynamic. It makes any situation like Detroit or Minnesota, it's funny that we've taken these, you know, uh, northern Great Lakes kind of things, right? (laughs) Oh, shit, it's cold already. Uh, And and we want to inject some new life, breathe some fresh air into those situations. Um, He would undoubtedly help both of those situations.
0: And then San Antonio, Miami, the only reason I think those make sense is just because Could those cities and fan bases and organizations and everything that's going on there and a change of scenery thing invigorate him in some way? Miami, yes, undoubtedly. I feel like both of those situations would. Yes. Those are the tight. It's always good to bet on talent. I would just be, I'd be so scared of that contract because if this doesn't work out, you're getting fired. We didn't mention one more team Houston. Houston has two possibilities. That's here. It could be. They can basically just say Eric Gordon, Clint Capella and enough contracts to make this work. Let's go. And then basically have Chris Paul, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and just figure it out. I personally think that's insane. I can't imagine those three guys playing together. It seems like a recipe of an all time disaster. I know Daryl has the theory of put three good guys together and figure it out later, but those three guys together make no sense to me. (laughs) Dude, Three of the highest usage rate guys we've had in the last twenty five years. All trying to figure out how to play together, and two of them are horrendous when they don't have the ball. This is why Harden I and Westbrook, just awful. Probably the two worst. I don't have the ball, guys in the league. They just stay, they're basically like, oh, I'm not in this play. I'll be over here.
1: You can't have DeAntoni be the coach if if that's if you acquire
0: Russell Westbrook. It doesn't feel like. What if it was Chris Paul and Quinn Capella? for Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams. Oh, That's pretty interesting. Why would OKC do that? Chris Paul's contract's a year shorter. He makes less money each year than Westbrook. He's played in OKC before because when they had Hurricane Katrina, they had to play there for a year, so they like him there. Um, might be an easier contract to move a year from now than Westbrook's is. He's somebody that you could argue could make a team like they have, could improve some of the guys in that team. Mentor for Shea, Just Alexander. I don't know. I'm just, I'm babbling. Yeah. I mean, It's it's, it's one of those rare, probably a bad trade for both teams, but I had to mention it. Okay. I mean,
1: Capella feels like, uh, how did Capella go from being one of the top, you know,
0: five rim running big men? Because he was bad in the playoffs. Yeah. I'll tell you this. He would be on my team. I understand. I would have traded for him already. I, I like, don't oh, feel you've like oh, you have soured on Kunkel. I'll take
1: him. <laughs> I feel that way right now. This is the thing. He, he, he they couldn't play him against the Warriors essentially.
0: Yeah, the Warriors have a tendency to to screw up, or the that now it's over. But these last few years, they had a tendency to really make people sour on their rosters, which was kind of unfair because the Warriors are one of the top four teams we've ever had. And it's like, yeah, some rosters aren't going to work that well. Like, just because Clint Campbell can't play against one of the four greatest teams of all time doesn't mean he's not good at basketball. Right. It
1: feels. I, I think he's got a uh, a redemption season uh, season coming.
0: I felt like Daryl. Uh, I we could definitely see the wear and tear from the last month. That Daryl, <laughs> he was the feistiest I've ever seen him. It was terrific. He's so mad about how uh, some of the fake news stories that have come out he claims they're fake news. I believe him, maybe. Um, he was adamant. And uh just he was just feisty. He's yeah. just mad. I listen. I think if you play that season, we bet on the Rockets, we lost. I think if you play that season 10 times, they win the title a couple times. And somehow in that Warriors series, they got they just got screwed up by that first game and by not getting a couple of those calls, then there was a layoff they started bitching about it and it became like this tornado of just them bitching about stuff. It's like, just worry about your own fucking team, guys. But the,
1: the, he he uh, conceded this. We asked him. Yeah. The real uh, thing that sabotaged the season for them was how poorly they began it and what how they ended up in the position of having to play the Warriors in the second round.
0: And it all came down. They still had a chance to salvage it and get the two seed. And I said when we did the live show, a great what-if is what if OKC doesn't win that game against them that dropped them from two to four? Because then Golden State doesn't have to play them in round two. Maybe Durant doesn't get hurt. All these dominoes go differently. I thought that Rockets team was really good. They were really good. They were the best team in the NBA for two months. It was Those games were, especially game one and game two, they they didn't play well in those games and almost won both games. Yep. So I'm with him. I, I think. The rest of the league weirdly got better and worse. The ceiling of the league went down, but the more teams are at the ceiling and they're kind of the same
1: team. Well, the fascinating thing with them is he configured a team that he publicly acknowledged was designed to beat the Warriors and he does not have to beat the Warriors anymore. The Warriors are not in front of him. How, How about this team that he's assembled and how it's configured? Are they built to beat the Lakers and the Clippers? The Lakers, are, are, I think, are less challenging for for their design than the Clippers. I think they're going to have trouble with the Clippers this year.
0: Well, I can't wait to see where Westbrook goes because this is already going to be one of the most fun seasons ever. What's not going to be fun is Westbrook on this OKC team, but him going to Miami or him on the Pistons, like there's all kinds of ways it could go. I do think I'd be very careful with guards with a lot of miles on them, Um thinking that that's just going to keep going and going. Because history says, unless it's a Kobe Bryant situation, around the 900 to 1,000 game mark, you start veering into a different point of your career. Now, he is also one of the greatest athletes in the history of the league, I think. Would you agree with that? Oh, my God, yes. Top 10 Un- athlete we've ever had in the NBA? You know what's funny to me is,
1: even though Toronto said no to the to the Paul George
0: trade, would you say no now? I don't know.
1: I'm interested. If, I,
0: if OKC was just like, we'll take Lowry for Westbrook well, right now. Yeah, like here's the thing: those guys do deals, right? We Oklahoma
1: City Masai and Sam are boys. They're pals. They they keep doing these little exchanges. They've been doing them over the so years. So that
0: that might have even been bullshit. Maybe so. Where where they where Sam's like, I need a favor, man. <laughs> I'm try- I'm trying to pillage the Clippers right now. Can you just pretend you're interested in? Westbrook and George. But there's for five nothing minutes.
1: to keep Toronto from taking Westbrook now. If it, if if it's the case that that uh, um, Sam really does want to get rid of that, if they if the franchise concept is to move out all that salary, be out from under that contract.
0: Well, what are they going to do with all the cap space? Who Toronto? They have like ninety one million dollars in expiring guys, and basically next year's team is Pascal Siakam and you know a bunch of randos. Yeah. Okay, they got room. Yeah, a room for what? Russell Westbrook. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if ah, this is probably the most interesting one we've come up How with. How about that? Just Westbrook for Lowry. Yeah, that's it. OKC okay, so gets under the tax. Get out of Westbrook's contract. Where does that put Toronto in terms of
1: you know? Are they still a top? They're still a top four team in the East. Top three team in the you East? You have
0: Westbrook, Siakam, Abaka and Gasol on expirings. I think Nick Nurse could coach Russell Westbrook. All right. I, I like it. Call it <laughs> into the league. Westbrook for Lowry. Do they have to throw anything else? OG and Anobi? No, they can't do that. OG coming off, that's a, that's a hidden asset of theirs. So He's they're basically really saying, OKC, okay, we're giving you your get out of jail free card. You have Shea. You have all these picks. Now it's time for... And you can flip Lowry in December, of course, to whoever. Yeah, not just not to the Knicks because they spend all their money on players already. <laughs> uh, all right, coming up, we're going to bring in Shea, and then we're going to talk about Vegas and four after that, we're going to take a break. Kyle, mute House's mic because I don't want him in the background screaming "Fairway Rolling." Here, uh, <laughs> we're taking a break to talk about Callaway, which is the sponsor of Fairway Rolling. <laughs> Sorry, House, you don't get to do that one. We love Callaway. We've had a relationship with them for the past three years, really, since we started, uh, started doing the ringer. Wanted to tell you about a Callaway staffer, Adam Hadwin, and what he had in his bag this week at the 3M Open. Rogue driver, Mitsubishi D Mana, white D plus 70 shafts. You got to love those. Rogue Sub Zero Fairway Woods, X Hot Pro Hybrid, Apex Utility, Apex MB 18 Irons. Mac Daddy Four Wedges, Chrome Soft X Golf Ball, Odyssey Stroke Lab, number two double wide putter. He also uses the Chrome Soft X Golf Ball on tour. He likes the ball speeds. It creates off the driver, the feel, and the increased control into the greens. You can check out all this stuff. Just go to callawaygolf.com and you can listen to House on fairway rolling as we head toward the British Open. Uh, The gambling advice on this podcast Cannot be understated. It is a great podcast. I appear in it from time to time. Fairway Rowan presented by Callaway, only on the Ringer Podcast Network. All right, Shea Serrano on the line. He is, uh, what have you been spending your summer doing, Shay? It seems like you, you've spent a lot of family time. You're like going for Father of the Year. What's going on with you? <laughs> a lot of traveling. Now, now
2: we, this is our first like, summer in the, in the new house. And so we're just, Fucking hanging out all day every day. Hiking?
0: Do you, know, you run a hike?
2: We went on a hike. I went out I was outside, Phil. I was outside for five full hours. Oh my God. During during the free agency stuff. This is the day after Kawhi made his announcement. I woke up to that and then we went hiking. So that's what I was doing when all that stuff was going down. It's been you, fantastic.
1: You had to go wander in the
0: wilderness to try and make some sense out of all of it? Yeah.
2: That's exactly what I did. It was a, a, a pilgrimage of sorts.
0: So you're a diehard Spurs fan and you, you watched Kawhi for seven years. Did you ever think that he would become the master manipulator, uh, that game of Thrones character that he became? Where not only did he land on the team, he wanted to land on, but he also screwed over OKC and screwed over the Lakers. Did you ever see this coming?
2: <laughs> nobody saw this coming. And the reason nobody saw it coming is because he is exactly that. It turns out he's a tactical genius that we all just had no idea that's what was going on. That's why he was being so quiet. They're like human version of the loose lips sink ships. Like that's him. He's the real version of that. It's incredible.
0: I still can't get over it because he just seemed... Especially when he was trying to get out of San Antonio house and Uncle Dennis became somebody in our lives. And it just seemed like a train wreck. It was like, what is this guy doing? Why would he want to leave the Spurs? Who's Uncle Dennis? This is just a complete shit show. This guy's getting bad advice. This is going to end up so badly for him. Well, it sounds like Shea... Uh have you forgiven him? Has, how's San Antonio
1: feeling about about Kawhi? You just expressed admiration yeah, for him. Yeah, does seem like you kind of forgave him there, Shay.
2: Listen, I just so we were at the house yesterday. My dad came over; it was his birthday, fifty seventh birthday. He came over. <laughs> we're cooking and hanging out and talking about the Kawhi Leonard situation. And I I think we are like we are officially past the point of forgiveness. He's a hundred percent forgiven. The, the the like beginnings of that happened when he came. To San Antonio-Toronto-San Antonio game, and then him and Pop had the embrace afterward. And then Pop, at the end of the game in the press conference, was like, okay, everybody relax. It's over. Like That's when that's when San Antonio started to officially heal. We got the chance to boo him. We got the chance to see him. We got to see him hug Pop. And we're like, all right, if Pop's cool, we got to be cool. And then when this happened, oddly enough, him leaving Toronto made it easier for Spurs fans because we realized that there's no more arguing about it. There was nothing that could have been done. Kawhi was going to end up in L.A. Mm. this season. So at the very least, we got DeMar out of it, who's been fantastic. So like, let's go ahead and cheer for Kawhi. We watched him destroy the, the Warriors dynasty, so we had to be thankful for that. We finally got that revenge. If the Spurs didn't get it, at least Kawhi got it for us. So he's all good in San Antonio now. There's a small faction of people who are still angry about it, absolutely. But by and large...
0: Fine. But if he goes to the Lakers, it's probably not as healed, I would guess.
2: If he goes to the Lakers, it, it swings 100% in the opposite direction. Yeah, if We hate the Lakers in any and all forms.
0: So this is what's kind of amazing about this Kawhi thing, the more I thought about it. Because I did a podcast the next morning, which is up in the archives. I did 12 hours think about it. I tried to, like, my, my big quick questions. But the more I thought about this Kawhi thing to pull off going to the Clippers without Toronto being really that the fans, I'm sure they're hurt, but they can't be mad. He brought them a title. He never said he was staying. He never lied to them. Um, And then the San Antonio fans, the one thing that really would have bugged him is if he had just joined the super team house with LeBron and AD. And it just was such the. the And a nemesis, not just that it was a super team, team, but the Lakers are a damn nemesis. Yeah, the Lakers are the Derek Fisher shot. That's a, and right. that's where he and you know and then the other thing with the Lakers is the whole Kobe versus, Duncan thing and you know, in a really incredible turn of events, people now thinking that Kobe was better than Duncan. Who who thinks that? Most most people. Who are most people? Most basketball fans. basically nobody
1: that we know thinks that way. I'm
0: telling you, people under 30 think Kobe had a better career (laughs) and that he was (laughs) a better basketball player than Tim Duncan. That That, that is true. That's what's what's wrong with
1: with this country. People under 30.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it is true. And, uh, and so you have the combination of that. And then also there was some good Shaq Duncan stuff. There was some good battles and playoff series and things. So that's the team. Who do you hate the most? What's the rankings? What, what are the Spurs fans, teams they hate the most rankings?
2: Like all time?
0: You're just like who who's your uh, rival? Is it Dallas? Dallas, your number one rival?
2: Dallas is not our number one rival anymore. There was a period when Dirk was going nuts. 06 to 08. Yeah. I, mean, I was like we we can't stand them at all. So I would if we're doing like all time, it's gotta be the Lakers first. And yeah. I'm just going by like stretches of, of years where you actively like viscerally hated this team. It was yeah. like definitely the Lakers because we're going back and forth in the early two thousands. Like you we win the title, you win the title, y'all win the title, we win the title, this whole thing is going on. So it's them and then it's right now and then it's the Rockets and then the Mavericks.
0: So that's the top three. That's the order for
2: the three. Yeah, so he
0: ends up... So Kawhi goes to the Clippers, who nobody cares about um, really around the league, and pulls off the situation where he ended up where he wanted. He wasn't lying the whole time. He wanted to go to Southern California. Um, He has now won a title in two different cities, has a chance to win a title now as the best player on yet another champion, which I am reasonably sure has never happened. Has anyone been the best guy on it, three championships teams? That has not happened.
2: No, it's happened with two teams. LeBron did it and, and Kareem did it, but it's never happened with three on three teams, three. I mean like three finals. MVPs, yeah. Yeah. Like right. Never, never. He, if he goes to the Clippers and he wins a the title there, he becomes automatically the greatest gun for hire of all time. Yeah. And he automatically also jumps into like, we might be the, the fourth best basketball player, of all time, if he can pull this off.
1: I think Ooh, he might have to. That's a little high.
0: I mean, the combination of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to put him in like the top 16 to 20. But the combination of
1: not just the tactics, right? Not just observing kind of what he could pull off and, you know, finding the right destination, but also doing it in a way that all of us in, in the entire uh, basketball fan community are. Are expressing admiration for him. So his his very keen ear yeah. for like hearing all of the criticism that Durant took and, and understanding why people I'm I'm giving him credit for this because of how he pulled it off. How people reacted to the way LeBron did it, and here we are. He he's done basically the same thing. I mean, the reports were that he was call, he called up KD first. He's like, "Yo, KD, can we do it?" And KD's like, "Nah, I'm out." Okay, baby, let me let me get on to the next line. Oh, he calls up PG. Hey PG, you want to do it? No, him?
0: he did Jimmy Butler.
1: Oh, he did. Okay.
0: Yeah, he had Jimmy <laughs> Butler, and then. Um I'm not sure. Who, I know he called Shay and Shea's like I I I don't play basketball. Um, <laughs> but I, normally I would go, but I I don't think I'd have you. But like much. what office should he hold after this?
1: Because it's the combination of both the deft touch in understanding the sentiment,
0: the public sentiment. He's a hero. Well, and the the, the add to that is so as we wrap up the player empowerment decade, this is the first time it's gone Kind of well for somebody in all the all the ways, you know. We we've seen guys switch teams dating back to the 60s. Will Chamberlain, I think, was the first guy who did it. He did it twice. And each time there was bitterness after. And then it's been a recurring theme. Kareem ditches Milwaukee. And that's it. He's like, I'm out of here. You got this is too small of a city. I want to play in LA. Shaq goes to Orlando. c Web ditches Golden State. Then he ditches Washington. He tries to ditch Sacramento. It's been a recurring theme for 60 years. This is the first time I've seen somebody pull it off in a way that everybody was like, "All right, that was cool." Even even the way he turned the tables on all the prognosticators. Oh, so good. And they and now they're playing the we see the clips online. There's video clips, they're playing them on the radio, just all these different people going. I'm not like my buddy Jalen, 99% sure he's going. I still stand by the 99. He did not see the Paul George coming, but Stephen A Smith saying, "I'm here. He's going to the Lakers." Chris Broussard saying I'm going to the, all these people. We did a podcast on Tuesday, me and Marcelo. We think he's going to the Lakers. And he just shoved it up all of our butts. <laughs> 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 no, nobody was like, no, no, no. He wants to go to the Clippers. He's going to figure out a way to get somebody else. Um, and then he and you must have loved this part as an action movie buff Shay. He he let he let the Lakers kind of dangle along there, kind of knowing mm-hmm. what was going to happen the whole time and really stuck it to mm-hmm. them. Almost the second time. You might, you like that deep down.
2: Oh, I love that. I, I love screwing up the Lakers in any way possible and just messing with them, making them feel, making everybody feel like I'm coming there and then not. Lakers fans were more upset about Kawhi having not gone to the Lakers than Toronto fans were that he left their team after he won them a championship. It was yeah. unbelievable to watch online. Again, this is just a masterful play, like what we're talking like we're talking Amy and Gone Girl, like levels of sophistication. <laughs> we're just putting a plan in place and pulling all the right levers. And then the very end he pulls a string and he, we we realize we've all been duped. We're all we're all dangling from the tree in the net and we don't know what to do as he fucking walks off I mean, winner he is, again. It's he, just unreal.
1: He is Kaiser Sose.
0: Instead of being covered in Neil Patrick Harris's blood, he was covered in Masai Ujiri's blood. Um, <laughs> by the way, Shay Gone Girls Rewatchables, are you in for that?
2: Absolutely.
0: Okay, because I Absolutely. think that movie, every time it's on, I end up watching. Every time. Have to. It's, and it's really good Fincher. And I think it's like a really top-notch Affleck performance.
2: You're never not, seen you're not yeah, with he's, me. He's, oh, house has
0: never seen. Never seen he's just sta- house is staring at me blankly.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, you got to see it. You got right. to see
0: it. So Shay, what what team? Everybody's talking about the parity with uh, well, you know, seven, eight, nine teams that can win all that stuff. What team do you have your eye on? Where's Shay's money? You don't gamble, but where's Shay's imaginary money going?
2: My imaginary money is going on. I feel like Utah is getting pretty good odds right now. Yeah. Give me that Utah, give me that Utah team. Because all you need is for two players to get hot for 3 weeks. We know Mike Conley is not afraid of the playoffs. We've seen it. We know Rudy Gobert wants to win desperately. Joe Ingles ain't afraid. Like let let Donovan get hot and let Conley get hot and they're going to cause some trouble for basically everybody that they could match up against in the West. There's nobody that you're afraid of anymore.
1: Shea, you didn't say your team first. Your the, the Spurs are still in this, I keep hearing their name. Yeah, let's in connection talk about with,
0: it with with this, this this dude that's out there. This is the other thing we called to talk to you about, Shay. It's it does Coming. seem conceivable, Westbrook.
2: Oh yeah,
1: Russell Westbrook I'm to in. the Spurs.
2: How do
0: you feel about it? Oh, you're in. You're <laughs> in on this. <laughs>
2: I'm in. Yeah. Look, what I don't know, what I don't know, Bill, is I don't know the contract situations. I don't know who we have to give up. How that works? Probably so DeRozan, I would have-
0: say DeRozan would be the logical guy. So and no, I don't. I don't want
2: to give up DeRozan.
0: You wouldn't give okay, up DeRozan for Russ? I, You're out. No, no <laughs> that's all it took. If I,
2: if we have to give up DeRozan, I really, I really love what DeRozan did when he came down here and played for the Spurs. The way that he played, that that was like a win your heart over performance this season that mm. he gave. I can't, I can't do that to DeMar. I can't do it. Plus he, sorry Russ. I love Russ. I can't, I can't give up DeRozan.
0: Plus, poor DeMar. Toronto wins the title the year after he leaves then he gets dumped he would get dumped by the spurs he'd have to live in oklahoma city it's tough that would that would be a tough chain of events for him i per shay i would personally uh it's funny i've kind of come around on on westbrook's contract is reprehensible mm-hmm. but i think there's a couple teams that if he went to it's kind of worth the gamble teams that have no chance to win the title right now i think i would say right. Shay, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but San Antonio has no chance to win the title next year. I'm going to say zero, zero percent chance. <laughs> well, zero chance. And we've,
2: we've got DeMar. We've got Lana. We've got LaMarcus. DeJounte's coming back. Derek White looked like he made the leap in the playoffs. Marcus Morris, your beloved Marcus Morris yeah. is coming down. Yeah. We got Carol. I, drew, I drove him to the team. airport.
0: <laughs> good <laughs> thing. Enjoy, enjoy those 20-foot ISOs. I'm good.
2: <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're finishing fourth in the West. Wow, we're matching up against I don't know who who is going to be in fifth. There's no way to tell who's going to be where. You gave we're up causing some trouble in the playoffs.
0: You gave up the best shooter in the league, Bertans That guy doesn't miss. Yeah, now he's on House's team.
2: I, he's the only good player. I love that. I love that they looked at the roster and they're like, who's the one guy who shoots threes? get rid of
0: them. Yeah, Bring in the- <laughs> he was like the the one vegan in the room of meat eaters. Don't you think yeah. uh don't you think I've spent a lot of time in San Antonio. Maybe maybe a little too much time that one year when it was the games 3 4 and 5 of the 2013 finals. I was there for eight straight days living out of a mm-hmm. hotel room. The San Antonio crowd I loved and I became very attached to. I loved the diversity, the passion, just it, there's just a little extra something, something with those fans. And I feel like Westbrook would really resonate specifically with those fans, how hard he plays. And uh, I don't know, I just like the fit. I could see him in the uniform. I would do it. You would not.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like, if we're avoiding sentiment, then yeah, make that trade. I would, again, same as you, I would love to see Westbrook in Asperger's jersey. I would love to see him paired up with Pop. I would love to have a player on our team who looks like he wants to get in a fight every single game. Yeah. We we haven't had that. We haven't had that for a while. I'm hoping that Marcus Morris is gonna be that guy for us. I'm hoping him and Lamarcus are like good cop, bad cop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But Westbrook and Westbrook and San Antonio would be a fantastic experiment. It would automatically make the Spurs the league pass team because they're either it's either gonna work out really well or it's gonna be a total catastrophe. Either way you gotta watch it.
0: Marcus Morris is definitely somebody who will get into a fight in an NBA game. Unfortunately, it might be with one of his own teammates. You just don't. You never know. I'll uh, take it. He will take it. He shoved Jalen Brown in the huddle last year, which was interesting. Uh, <laughs> I did like him. It was just, he was one of those guys, like, two, three years was enough. You've had, a, you've had guys he, like that house. He's a like, no, 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 yes guy. He's totally. a classic no, no, And, no, and yes. we had, he's also another one of those when the ball's, Kind of moving around the perimeter and it goes to him and it just stops, and then everybody stands there because they know he's gonna try to come up with a shot or something. Um, all right, Shay, here's the other thing we have to talk about. Hit me. It's getting close. We're now two weeks away.
2: Yes.
0: Well, two, two, two plus. We're like 17 days away. Hobbs and Shaw. Have, first of all you, ha- you have this whole sneaky life now where people send you screeners and sometimes you see movies ahead of time. You have not seen this yet, right?
2: No, I refuse to watch this one early. I'm yeah. watching it on an IMAX screen by myself.
0: Okay. Um, scale of one to 10. How fired up are you right now?
2: I'm, i the volume is turned all the way up for this one, Bill. This is, this is every summer. There's like at least one movie I desperately cannot wait to see Yeah. this year. It's Hobbs and it's Hobbs and Shaw. It's a, it's a can't-miss situation. You've got the best version of The Rock yep. playing uh, with the best version of Statham, and you're just going to turn them loose. They're ripping a helicopter out of the sky with their muscles. The Rock, using his arm, is yanking a helicopter out of the sky in the trailer. That's a part of the trailer. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the movie, but I know it's going to be fantastic.
0: It reminds me a little bit of The Warriors with KD, where... The 17 Warriors specifically, like such a great team with that really had, you know, they go 15 and one in the playoffs, just a dominant force, but almost too much, too much talent. There's only so many shots to go around. And that, that was what fast five through fast eight was like. Now it's like the rock and Statham are really going to get a lot of field goal attempts. They're going to, they're going to have the it's right usage great. rate. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't have to worry about the Vin Diesel scene and whoever else. Get Tyrese in there. It's going to be those guys. I do feel like Tyrese at some point this month is going to snap about this movie. He already kind of did a year ago or nine months ago, but <laughs> I, do, I do think he, there's a full meltdown coming, especially when this movie makes like $230 million in eight days. But House is right. out. House could care less.
1: No, I, the, the, trailer, the, trailer, the trailer was the best action movie I've seen this year. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mean, it's, it's incredible. I just, there's not a lot of stuff that makes me want to go to the movies anymore. And maybe part of that is because we're getting old, but. Yeah. I mean, um,
1: my my movie of the year so far is Toy Story 4. (laughs) Which is a good movie,
0: by the way. Uh, Yeah. Most of these things, especially with action movies, you just wait, wait until it's on pay-per-view. I'm not waiting for Hobson Shaw. I will be there. No, uh,
2: absolutely not. The uh, Rock, Jason Statham. We haven't even talked about Idris Elba is the bad guy and he plays a superhero.
0: Yeah, well, what was he genetically engineered? Vanessa
2: Kirby. Yeah, a genetically engineered superhero. Vanessa Kirby is playing Charles, his sister. Yeah. Roman Reigns is in it. As, yeah, I don't even know what he is, but he's in it. Um, Cliff Curtis is in there. Give me Cliff Curtis in every movie, please. I'm begging you.
0: Is there? Uh, has, we have
2: to see this early.
0: Any cable action movies you've been getting roped into lately? Identity thieves keeps batting its eyelashes at me. And it's like, hey, do, do, do,
2: do you not love Dennis
0: Thieves? <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. It's it's pretty fat. they I mean, and it's not just pretty fat, but Gerard Butler is also pretty fat in the movie. <laughs> but um mm-hmm. it 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 feels like a first cut to me. Did you see it, House? I haven't seen it. It's long. Oh it's it's two it's over two hours. Yeah, it's over two hours. I'm out on the golf course. I'm That's sorry. Him. Yeah, house is house is see? playing golf. That's what he's doing
2: of thieves comes on on HBO or Showtime on one of those cable channels every day, yeah. And I watch it every day, and I text Chris Ryan. Chris Ryan and I have only had like four conversations <laughs> over the last five years, and <laughs> and they've all been about dinner thieves. Every time it comes on, I text him, and every time it comes on, he texts me. It's my favorite tradition. Dinner thieves is oh my god, it's so, so great. It's just such a, it's just such a like a. a a bad, dirty, grimy action movie. Let's just take some guys and and just let, turn up the testosterone as high as you can get it and let them just stare at each other and then shoot at each other. And that's all they do in the movie. And it's and,
0: great. And they rip off about seven different movies during the course Every of that movie. Every action
2: movie you can think of, they just, oh, we'll do that. Somebody saw that and was like, we should put that in our movie. And then they put that in their movie.
0: I've been, uh, I've been getting sucked into the town over and over again. And I think we're oh, going to yeah. be doing a rewatchables yes. for that one probably uh, next month. I'm, d- I'm just going to have to make you come out in August. We're going to have to do like three rewatchables, but um,
2: I'm in. I'm in for the town, Den of Thieves, and whatever the other one was we mentioned. Gone girl.
0: I do feel like we have the kind of relationship where, you know, that scene in the town when Affleck goes to Jeremy Renner's apartment and he's like, I need you. We're, <laughs> we're going to go beat some people up and I can't tell you <laughs> why. And he's like, I'm ready. Yeah. You're what, you're That's my guy for that. Shay. That'd be like, Shay, I, I need know. you. We're going we, we have to do something and I can't tell you why you'd be like, all right, I'm in.
2: Yeah. So I don't know if you remember this, but we were at, we were hanging out at South by Southwest. I think at the time I was part-time at Grandland. Yeah. And, um, you had like gone to war with the NFL and all that stuff was going on. And we were just walking around hanging out. I remember that. And I, and, and we were talking, and I was like, Bill, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to work for you. Wherever you go, just take me with you. I don't care what we're doing. And you were like, I got you.
0: No, this and is a true story. You
2: had me. That's this a 100% true story.
0: The, the only part that wasn't true was I think you were an official Grantland employee at that point. Was I? I yeah. Because I was like, I had two months left to go, but I was like, I don't think this is going to go very well. But if I ever do anything again, we we're, we're gonna work together again, and you're like, I'm good. Yeah. That was As it.
2: A, no questions asked. Sign me up.
0: And I said, "There's a 10 percent chance I might start robbing banks in L.A." And he's like, "I'm in." And
2: was, I've seen every I'm Bank in. Heist
0: movie ever. <laughs> where do you Where do you stand on Inside Man these days?
2: Inside Man is top level. You've got Clive Owen at the top, at the like at his most powerful. He had he had like great Clive Owen years of great movies. Yeah, great Clive Owen, great Denzel, great script from Spike, great directing from Spike. You've got the great fake out. You've got like, you always want to watch a thing in a heist movie that you've never seen before, and we get that with a twist ending. It's 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 Jodie Foster, fantastic in it. We've got a lot of really good parts and pieces. Inside Van A plus.
0: But we still, what's your number one bank heist movie? Is it The Town?
2: I, no, you know what? I think. Uh, are we counting? Are we counting Heat as a bank heist movie? Yeah, f- fuck yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, well then, then it has to be Heat. Heat has to be number one because the only thing the Inside Man doesn't have, and they, and this is not like a like a mistake on their part. They did this on purpose. But I, every like great heist movie that I really just am am in love with, I need a big shootout. I need for somebody I care about in the movie to die at some point. The yeah. town does it. Um heat does it. Inside Man, they like they, they, they get super smart and wiggle their way around it, which was they did that brilliantly. But if we're picking number one, you've got to go he heat just has too many, too many moments. Yeah, Even but when you're rewatching it now, it's like unreal.
0: But what's funny is you were we were kind of nudging you for heat for a couple years there. Me and Chris yeah. Ryan. You weren't told, you mm-hmm. hadn't totally come around and then you finally came around. It took a while.
2: Yeah, because I kept trying to watch it, and then other stuff would happen. And heat is like fucking seven hours long. You have to sit there and pay attention to the whole thing. You you have to pay attention to. This is not like a look at your phone movie. You have to no. be dialed in to get invested because the big the the, the moment everything turned for me as I was re, I was watching the thing. I'm like, all right, you know, i my phone away. Let me just pay attention to this thing. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm getting further and further pulled in, and then they do the scene. Finally. Everybody makes a big deal about the, the diner scene with De Niro and, and Pacino. Yeah. But I like immediately before the the diner scene when he pulls them over it. And as he's walking, you see De Niro look at Pacino in the mirror as he's walking up towards him. It's the only time they make eye contact. Yeah. And then when Pacino gets there, he just stares forward. And that one moment, I was like, holy shit, this is, this was like, this is Hall of Fame acting right here. They're just going. They, I could tell they hated each other, but also kind of like admired each other a great deal. is It's, 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 it's got to be number one. It has to be number
0: one. It had to be one of the best moments to be on a movie set. Cause those guys I were still at the imagine. peak of their powers. Just be like, all right, it's going down. Here's, here's the, uh, here's the big diner scene. We did this on a pod before, and I can't remember what your answer was. And I don't know what house's answer is. Cause he never played this game with us. If you were in a, Oh, we did it during a uh, Point Break, when we did the Point Break we point watched. Break, us. Yeah. If, if you were a bank robber, you're in a group of bank robbers, there's like four or five of you, which guy would you be? I think I'm the driver. I, 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 oh, so I said I was. That was I wanted to be the driver. Oh, why did you want to be the driver? Because I'm the greatest driver in America. You've seen it. You <laughs> drove with me yesterday. Uh,
1: did we, Who's better than me? Well, Nobody. Other than ignoring the ways and adding an hour and twenty. Well, minutes that, to our that trip. was a directional issue. That was a directional <laughs> issue. <laughs> well, that's important to a bank robber getaway I, guy. The direction matters.
0: No, I don't trust ways anymore.
1: Well, what are you going to use? Ways has betrayed me
0: too many times. No, I'll, I would know the escape. <laughs> All right, you'd have the escape route already mapped out. Um, Shay, which okay. guy were you? I forget.
2: I I want to be the guy who gets shot. I want to <laughs> be like the I want to be the what? the that guy. The like emotional impact guy. Like, oh my god, they shot his little brother. I can't believe this happened. I want to be that guy.
0: Like, right, right as he's him. getting away, he doesn't realize that the cop had already reached for his gun, who was lying down on the floor. That guy. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, I want to <laughs> be him. I want to be the. I want to be the guy, and they're like. In the action movie, when they're all stranded in the wilderness, where we're, we're we're running away, and like my glasses fall off, and that's why I die. <laughs> and my glasses fell. Oh, your
0: your asthma inhaler <laughs> yeah. as ran out of puffs. Yeah.
2: That's like that, if if this is real life, that's me. I you know I want to be I want to be the Garrett Hunlin Headland, how do you say his last name? I wanna Garrett be that guy Headland, from Triple Frontier. Yeah, yeah. The younger the younger brother, or when he dies, we just are sad. You, you, oh my god. Four brothers. I want to
1: be that guy. If, you, if Simmons is going to be the getaway guy, I want to be the initiator. I want to be the calm, cool, collected fellow. That we're walks here for in. the bank's
0: money, not yours.
1: Well, I you know what. I'm. We're going to keep it cool, everybody. We're going to keep this yeah. chill. Nobody I'm going to hurt. do a, the Samuel L. version. I want to walk in there. Here's the note. Here's how we're all going to. Here's how it's going to go down. Everybody, be cool.
0: Yeah. Everybody, chill out. I. Uh, nobody wants to be the guy who takes it too far. Cause that guy's always in the yeah. bank robbery gang. The guy who, who in heat it's <laughs> the, the cop was staring at him. He didn't like, it was Wayne grow didn't like how he was staring at yeah. him. So he shoots him. Um, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's always Jeremy Renner's the guy in the town. He just kind of takes it a notch well, too far. Who's our ringer wild card. Two, who, two, oh, we Hawk have a couple. A guy
2: in juice.
0: Yeah. We, you want,
2: you, somebody, somebody has to say, I had to shoot him. He was going for his gun. Like, yeah. Yeah. It has to be said. Well, Wayne grow. Queen Latifle from set it off. <laughs>
0: Wayne Grove does the he he. I had to get it on man I had to get it on <laughs> uh, I love those guys They, in my opinion they should make uh, a bank robbery gang movie every 18 months because they, Absolutely. Cause Den of Thieves is really not a good movie and yet there's a reason it's You're on crazy. cable You're crazy. it's on cable every day <laughs> because it is a good movie no but it's really not yeah. it's like very poorly edited and Gerard Butler No, come on there's
2: no- it's a half did, hour did you, too did, long did you- it's, it's six hours too short. I disagree. <laughs> I, would, I would watch, I would watch, what's his name, uh, Pablo and, and um, Gerard just stare at each other for another four hours. That's what they do for basically half of the movie. They just look at each other. I would, give me more, give me as much as possible.
0: I also love kidnap movies. I just watched one on Hulu. Yeah. There was some movie called The Disappearance of Alice somebody. It was with Gemma Atherton. And, uh, Mm -hmm. it was these two guys who they kidnap, they kidnapped this woman. They had it all planned out. They the first five minutes is just them building the soundproof room that they're going to put her in and all this stuff. And then, but there's a bunch of monkey wrenches as it goes along.
2: I like any movie where you're watching it and you're like, who would I be in this movie? How would I handle this? If we're at the park and somebody grabbed my kid, what do I do? Well, that's, could I, could I survive?
0: That's that Halle Berry movie that's also terrible ransom that I've watched seven times where (laughs) they take her kid and she's basically chasing the kidnappers in this, uh, Acura, Acura, like Acura SUV, just going after them, trying to, trying to hunt them down. Um, yeah, I like ransom movies. I like bank robbery movies and you know what another one I was watching? Pulp Fiction has been on a lot lately.
2: And it's one mm-hmm. we've been saving.
0: Mm-hmm. We're trying not to do all the rewatchable movies, the best ones, like in the first two years. That right. one will be like one of the five best. There's the most fodder in that movie. I I watched the last hour, so it's basically from when Winston Wolf gets involved, when they shoot Marvin's head, uh, all the way through Winston Wolf, and then the ending. And it's just spectacular. It's spectacular. You, you know it's,
2: what's what's. I think this might be my weirdest take. If we're arranging them that way, Pulp Fiction for me—I've never felt that way about that movie. Pulp Fiction to me is—it's it's like a highlight reel movie where I want to watch some of the scenes on YouTube every once in a while. I want to see the Marvin scene. I want to see the diner scene. I want to see the "say what again" scene. But I never want to watch them all. I never want to watch the whole movie. It and is I don't what, it, know what it is about it.
0: It is one of those movies you can come in for a half hour. I, I personally. I love it, and I like the whole movie together. What do you think of us?
2: I, I agree with
1: exactly what what Shea's saying. It's a, it feels like a sequence of uh, you know, of these teeny tiny stories, all just like loosely connected, and it yep. works. I like sitting down and watching it from beginning to end because I like all this, all the the stories. It's worth it to invest in the stories, but I also like the idea of sitting down and watching three of those little stories, and and you know, uh, jumping up and down and and, and watching. Uh, uh Uma get her heart saved with the injection. Oh, that's a good I one. mean, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in.
0: I uh I noticed at the end nobody comes in that diner for like 15 minutes. It's a crowded diner during breakfast time. <laughs> and somehow somehow they're robbing it forever. Sam Jackson's giving Tim Roth a life talk. Just no nobody coming in the door. Little flaw. Uh all right, Shay, what what else when when when's your book coming out, by the way?
2: book comes out October 8th. We're three months away today. I'm ready.
1: Movie's another thing. Some some of these movies we just talked about are in that book, right? Is that yes. true?
2: All, I think every movie you mentioned is in that book.
0: <laughs> is there a bank robbery chapter?
2: There's a chapter in there. But you, this is the first... I haven't told anybody what's in the book yet. I'm going to tell you. You're the first person. This is the first time anyone will know. One of the chapters in the book, you have to build a perfect heist movie crew. You have to build... You, Pick, a, pick pieces from each movie. you need a leader, you need a driver. The guy you mentioned, the girl you mentioned, we need someone to send everything sideways. We need someone who's going to try to uh you know pull the the uh, pull the carpet out from everybody. Wow. that person That like that's one of the chapters in the book. It's my It's maybe one of my favorite chapters in there, some beautiful artwork that Arturo drew it's That's a fun chapter.
0: All right, don't spoil the chapter, but can you tell us who you decided was the driver?
2: Because I know oh, it wasn't I me. Have, it wasn't you, and it wasn't Baby Driver, and it wasn't anybody from Ronin. I'm going to tell you who it was because this is the heist movie. It was Letty. It's Letty from Fast and the Furious. Uh. Give me Letty every time that's the, a the best driver in the series
0: that's a hometown and that's and a, a great Homer, car that's a Homer pick you just love letty <laughs>
2: absolutely that's,
0: absolutely that, that was like the backup pick was Tim duncan <laughs> the car the car wasn't big enough <laughs> for his legs letty letty is great though has letty what what's She's letty's the, what's her biggest failure in the fast series when the car spun out but that wasn't her fault Did they yeah, was, they mess with the car somehow
2: they shoot the the oh no Her biggest failure, I'm gonna go no failure at all. I think she's perfect. (laughs) And she always gives it she always gives the look, she has the she has the best driving stunts in the whole series. And the first one, she's the one who goes under the eighteen wheeler, which they recreated in Hobbs and Shaw, by the way, just as either either as a hat tip or like an F U, one of those two. But they did it on purpose in Hobbs and Shaw. She has that moment and in Furious Seven, she fishtails her car along the edge of a cliff so that Brian can jump and grab onto it. She saves his life. She does this incredible, amazing thing. He runs up the bus. As it's falling off the cliff, he jumps. She comes swinging around. He grabs it. He goes flipping off all, all to the side of the ground. She gets out of the car. She's totally unimpressed because this is just what she does. And she's like, are you good? He's like, yes, thank you. That's who I want in the driveway. I want somebody who understands waves, Bill. I don't need Bill Simmons <laughs> driving my car. I need Letty. Give
0: me Letty every time. <laughs> uh I can't argue with that. All right. Well, we look forward to the book. Shay, I'm glad you've come to grips with the Kawhi thing. Thanks for coming on. Me too. Thank All you. Right. See you, buddy. Later. Let's take a break to talk about points bet. If you're a New Jersey sports better, you're thinking of getting into the action, check this one out. It's the sports by Galen Iverson, Darrell Reeves, and thousands more are calling their preferred way to bet. You may have seen these guys talked about here on The Ringer, ESPN, New York Times, even The Daily Show. PointsBet is the sports book you've been waiting for. The easiest, most exciting way to bet on sports. What's different about PointsBet? For starters, double the number of bets available. Three times more booster odds have offered every day. Countless offers that actually put bettors first. Like over 800 games paid out early this year alone. Wow. On top of all that, points bet the only place for good karma payouts that refund bad bets. I like that idea. Never before seen bets types like NBA head to head win totals. Like who would get more wins this season, the Bucks or the Sixers? They have points betting where the more you write, the more money you actually win. And if you join points bet today and deposit $10 to get $100 of bonus bets, well, you should do that. Use promo code BS when you sign up. Again, promo code is BS points bet. Stay sharp. New Jersey only must be 21 plus. Additional terms and conditions apply. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Points bet. Stay sharp. All right, we want to talk about Vegas and uh, a couple other things. So we go to Vegas on Saturday. We do a live show at Caesars Palace. We love Caesars Palace. We're about to complain about Caesars Palace. This is a trend we've noticed. Been going to Vegas since the mid-90s. And Vegas has shifted over the last 25 years in a bunch of ways. It's no longer underground. It's no longer um, just dudes, especially on the weekends. Definitely not. Uh, There's a ton of great restaurants. All the casinos are just these machines now designed to keep you there. And I think Caesars is a good example. They have, you know, not only their main casino, but they have the forum shops and they have all these great restaurants. And then, a mall attached and it's just like, they don't want you to go to any other place in the thing. All these casinos are wired this way. And one thing they're realizing is more and more people go to Vegas every year is, um, well, let's just take, let's take their money even more than we ever thought we would. So at Caesars now, they pay six to five on blackjack, which they don't tell you, you have to look on the table. You don't even really realize it's there. It's a significant difference. And it feels like they're, they're stealing. So it's like, if I, if I bet a hundred dollars on a hand in the old days, you get a blackjack, you win $150 from the blackjack, three to two outs. Now you win 120. So it's $30 just out the window. And one of the ways you win money if you play blackjack for a while is you got to hit some blackjacks every once in a while. So they've taken that out. The other thing they did is splitting aces, which everybody does and is supposed to be an advantage for the player, they made it so that you can only split aces once. So if you get a third ace, you're just stuck with a 12. It's like, fuck you. It's it's way worse to get the third ace. Yeah. Now it's like, I don't even want to split aces now because I might get a third ace. And of course, they're not telling you this because every, you know, every dealer is just determined to just take your money there.
1: We should have led this segment with a warning. This is old guy radio.
0: Well, was, yeah, so we're, I'm going to get to that. We're going to get to a guy radio. <laughs> I, I I just think it's hilarious that Ve- Vegas, the whole thing was like, come here, gamble, it'll be awesome. Now it's like, come here, do all the other stuff that we bring to the table in Vegas. And when you gamble, we're taking your money. So this is
1: exactly the point, right? It is now an entertainment place. Like before our era, and I don't know if... if uh, we were at the front end uh, of the transition, the transformation, or sort of where our trips to Vegas. You have your legendary Vegas crew that you wrote about. Uh, uh, wrote about a bunch of legendary, times, yeah, Legendary yeah, yeah, trips on page two with ESPN and, and so forth. And, you know, we've been on a number of trips together as well. Uh, the main focus for us going to Vegas was to gamble. We went to, to Las Vegas. The entertainment for us was the gambling. Yeah, it, it was that we didn't go there. We, you know, the food was 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 basically just fuel. It was two pieces of pizza. Exactly. It was like so we can get back to the tables. And the only like v- variance was like we might change venues to to try and change the mojo here, or you know, uh, too many. It's like it got the light a little too crowded in here. We want to take our crew and go somewhere that's that's less crowded. Well, now,
0: now it's impossible to change venues exactly. because Vegas is so crowded now. Even if you're trying to leave, it's be like, oh, I'm having bad luck at Caesars. Let's go to the Win. That's a half hour before I'm at the Win. And if I want, even if I want to walk to another casino, that's twenty minutes. Plus, it's the effing desert. It's, it's so yeah, goddamn hot, and it's hundred degrees out.
1: <laughs> but like, that's the thing. They don't care about people coming to seriously gamble. They don't care about changing the odds and and tilting them way in their favor. Blackjack is already the odds are against you when you sit down at a blackjack table. Well, You're going to there. lose money. They change them in in a completely unfair way to tilt the odds in a way that you are never going to win money unless you have an incredible stretch of of, you know, card luck. Uh, but but that's the point. They have, The people sitting down at those tables are people spending entertainment dollars. Those are not people who, who have intentions
0: of winning money at gambling. Yeah, they just assume those people are going to gamble for an hour and probably lose. So let's tilt the odds against let's them take even all more because they're going to gamble anyway. That's right. It's funny. They did this last decade. They had those machines that just automatically spat out. It was like basically an infinite hand. Hmm. You never had a shuffle. There was no six-card deck. The cards would just come out. It gets spat out by a machine and it just never ended. And we all hated them. And it became a thing that really started last decade and got to the point where me and my friends, like especially the Vegas crew, like me and Hopper and Bish and those guys, when we were looking for blackjack tables, we wouldn't sit down at the table that just spat the cards out. Right. We wanted the six deck shoot. Yes. Because we still feel like there's power in here are the six decks. the They're going this way oh, shit, there's so many face cards coming. Right. Like, you we can, still felt like we had like a modicum of control. Even if we was, didn't, we felt you, that you way. You knew it was tilted, but it at least felt slightly fair. You right. could
1: pay attention and see just what you're describing. It's not card counting to pay attention to, you know, we're on a run, six twos just came out, you know. Yeah, like,
0: and people would say, oh, I can't wait to get through the shoot and right. all that stuff. And that And those machines ruined that. And something interesting happened. They got rid of them because people didn't like them. And especially by about 07, 08, 09, if you walked around you saw those tables, they'd just be empty and the price would be less for them. And people would be like, fuck that. I'm not sitting there. They would sit there if they were desperate on a Friday night. So now we've swung back to Vegas trying to pillage the the gamblers again. And it's stuff like the six to five odds on a blackjack, which seems subtle, but it's not. Because if I'm playing blackjack for 10 hours –
1: which is the Bill Simmons way. You are yeah, the which, grinder. Which is you, well, not you're anymore cuz I grinder. can't win
0: anymore. Um <laughs> but you're playing for that long and you get blackjack 20 times, whatever you're betting, that's, you know, that could end up being a couple hundred dollars or more depending on how much you're betting that they're just taking now. Yes. It's, it's more more than a vig. It's way more than and a vig. And they have all these other rules that screw you, you yeah. know? So um I'm down on that. We, we in general, we're old. You turned 50 this year. I already, I, I'm about to turn 50 in a couple months and Vegas became a 24 hour place for me. I would say about five, six years ago. Yeah. I could do one great night, but two was like I'd be sick for a couple of days after this is, this weekend was the first time we were supposed to stay till Monday. And I texted you on Sunday morning. I was like, you want to just go back? And you're like, yes. And we rented a car and we drove back. And I left Vegas a day earlier than I thought. And I feel like they, i feel like Vegas is now dying for me as I turn get close to fifty. It's sad. Sad day, house. Well, it, it, the the one
1: element of it that was the big attraction to us, the the the, the true entertainment value for us, resided in the shared experience of, of gambling. And if you diminish that the way that our experience at, at Caesars. Yeah, this is like three,
0: four years, but it isn't just Caesars. It's, it's a bunch of these casinos. It just seems like it's harder to win. I have no evidence, but I, every time I'm out with whoever, and I've been there with a bunch of different friend groups, it usually doesn't go great. And I, I don't know what's going on. New Orleans, everybody has good luck at Harris. Harris is designed to keep you there gambling. That's what they want. Right. No, it's not like they want you to go to the 11 other restaurants they had. They're like, stay fucking here. Have a good time. Their dealers want you to win. Their dealers are so much better in New Orleans. In the in the Vegas casinos, the dealers are like assassins.
1: So my question to you, I asked you this. Uh, now with the legalized sports gambling that will soon be the case in in every state that cares about it, you know, there's no no longer any legal impediment to legalizing sports gambling, and that means you can all you know any any state. There's there's no bar right now on states having tables. You can play tables in Cleveland. You can play tables in Delaware. You can play tables in
0: new you know New Jersey. It's pretty depressing.
1: If well, but but that's the thing, right? Um, Those there's places no,
0: are. I played in Cleveland. It was downright depressing.
1: But all anybody who has a point of view on trying to make the experience more conducive to, like, what, what we kind of are complaining about, what we miss. There's no bar to that now. So Vegas has competition. So yeah. I'm not going to Vegas. The only thing that will get me to Vegas now, I'm not going to gamble in Vegas anymore.
0: I'm not either. I'm, I'm out. I'm, I think I'm done. I'm out. There's no reason I asked to Haral, Bob. Haral Bob. thought Bob um, thought he was just like variants, because I was like, I haven't really had a fun Fun actual gambling experience in Vegas in like three years, where yeah. like I went with my friends and we all did well. And he's like, "Ah, it's variance; it'll be fine." Would, but then I told him about the six to five thing. He's like, "That's fucking crazy! Yeah, you can't play It's like extortion." He's like, "You just you shouldn't have ever sat down there." That's I'm like, right. You're right. But we're looking at it like it's one o'clock. We haven't gambled yet. And it's like, all right, if we leave here now, it's 1.30. and it's like, oh fuck it, I'll do this. But this is the beauty. this is how they get
1: you. I know, but the beauty of the American way is competition brings out the best. So there are opportunities for great American cities. Austin, Texas, could put some tables in. Uh, Houston, Texas, San, Fr- well, San
0: Francisco. I well, F Y I, those opportunities are in Vegas. We just didn't go find them. Well, like, I think maybe the maybe the maybe the zig or the zag the inefficiency now is to go to the non-big casinos. We have to send somebody out. We need to send- We need a scout. I'd love feedback. If you want to email me about this, email at the, uh, it's mailbag at the ringer.com. If you have advice for Vegas casinos where it seems like they actually want the people who are playing blackjack to win. Or just have a good time. Because- Can can three buddies sit down at a table and have a good time? The big ass casinos now seem like they're designing everything to just get you in and out as fast as they possibly can.
1: Because they know they haven't. That's it's, it's entertainment dollars. As soon as we get up, there's another three people sitting down behind us.
0: And people like us who are like, it's one o'clock. Ah, fuck it, let's sit down.
1: Yeah, it'll take. Oh, we'd love to have your three hundred dollars. Yes, please sit
0: down. We'll have. We'll take it from you in the next ten minutes. The thing is, we had. It was me, you, and Rosillo. Yeah, we never all gambled together. I was so excited. You stole two hundred dollars from Rosillo. You haven't paid it back. Yeah, I may not pay it back. You did a classic show house where you show up in Vegas. It's like <laughs> I got to go to an ATM. <laughs> Then it's like, can I borrow two hundred dollars? And I now didn't we're even Two hundred dollars he's never going to see for the rest of his life. He insisted, it and it was we're, worth it. We're all fired up for it, and within forty-five minutes of six to five blackjacks and not being able to split aces and the and the unfriendly dealer just crushing us, you guys were like, "We're going to go get some pizza." That was it. We wanted and then to the I was pizza with run. These four other dudes and all, and I had this new table of people I liked. They were all really nice, and we're like, we're just dying for the table to get going. We're just getting crushed. And it just seems like that's the big casino. But maybe this is what the listeners can tell us. Maybe they're a little smaller casinos where they still are pro player. Well, God, if, if Palace
1: Station, talking about uh, competition that has the the incredible Jambalaya Gumbo, you know, they're, they're the place that David Chang took me to and yeah. recommends as one of his, you know, lifelong uh, eating Pleasures. If a place like that had some great tables, that would be a fun time.
0: Well, Cosmo's another one where I just people have bad luck there. And it's but packed. Everyone I know it's it's is packed. Packed. Cosmo, MGM, Caesars win. Um, I haven't been to Mandalay in a while. I don't know if it's that's on the radar anymore, but the big ass ones that know they have a ton of people, I, my advice would be don't gamble there anymore. I'll, I'll have some suggestions, hopefully, from the readers, but. I think the new marketing efficiency in Vegas... See, now I've talked myself in. I'm going back.
1: <laughs> well, as soon as we get some some intel. We need yeah. intel.
0: I remember Cousin Sal and I in like 2006 range, we were staying at the Westin because we had kids. It was the only time I stayed kind of off the strip ever. We we had our families and our kids. And we ended up gambling at the Westin and there was nobody there. And we were just cleaning up. But we were like, this is the best. Maybe that's what you have to do in yeah, Vegas now. Right. I would stay away from the big casinos for... Listen... Go to, go to the big casinos for the awesome restaurants right. and all the shit the they shows. have going. The live show we did at Cleopatra's Barge. Yeah, great shows. That they might not let us do again because we're <laughs> complaining about the 65 Blackjack. <laughs> but the thing is, don't have fucking 65 Blackjack. I'm right. sorry. That's right. Um, all right. So we covered that. We we did a sad ride home last, yesterday. And uh, I screwed up. I fully admit with the ways, Didn't listen to the ways, But- it was also a really fun ride because we got to hang out. And the Vegas ride is still fun. They, we stopped in Baker, which is about, I would say, an hour and a half to two hours. It's it's the last stop on the way back to L.A. before the Barstow stop. And I we don't know what's going on in Baker, but there's like <laughs> motels there that seem like they've – we don't know why anybody would stay at the motel in Baker that's in the middle of nowhere – one of them was called the Bun Boy Motel.
1: We did drive by
0: the Bun Boy. It we drove a, by the be, Bun Boy. We did get a picture. It's a
1: regret that we didn't get a picture together. We should have the gone there. We should have just gotten a room. <laughs> the question that I have is okay, I understand why now nobody would stay at those things, but what was the original business plan? In what, Baker? Yes. How did those make
0: sense? Ever well, obviously, obviously they didn't because none of them that we drove by. But were was it? Like a truck It's fifteen north and south. Maybe a truck that's route? what it is. Is that is it a truck stop? People that just have to stop because they're going to fall asleep.
1: But that I mean, between Las Vegas and 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 Los Angeles, it's it's four hours, kind of normal, three and a half if you get super lucky. Why why would you need to
0: stop? So I didn't drive to Vegas this weekend because of the earthquakes. I got I got freaked out. Yeah. Cause I I really thought um probably my my number one biggest nightmare is being on a yacht if when uh during a tsunami? No. Uh, Well that I mean obviously that. Oh. I mean realistic. Being on a yacht where something happens with the sewage, remember that thing that happened on that yacht that time (laughs) where the the sewage thing Uh, fell apart and it was just like a like a tipped over portage on as a yacht for uh, like five days?
1: No, it was a story. Oh, a story. Yeah, 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 It was a new story. Yeah, Uh, there was a yacht, right, where the sewage went went haywire. And it was
0: just like everybody was just throwing up for five days. Like That would be my worst case scenario. My my second worst case scenario would be driving through Death Valley and there's an earthquake. Uh Because Death Valley is already scary enough. It's one of those places where you feel like there's about a 45-minute stretch where you feel like if your car broke down, that's it. Yeah, that that's, be, be like what would happen what would hap, what happened to Bill? There's no sign of him or his car. I'd like to give credit
1: to whoever came up with Death Valley because that is uh uh as advertised. That is a great it is exactly how it feels. I do not like Death Valley. I don't like driving through it. It is it is uh sparse. It's scary. It's
0: in, in, inferno hot outside. It's 100 and it was 110 degrees at one point. Yeah. Kyle kind of likes it. Kyle likes beating down places. Kyle loved Cleveland, loved it. Are you kidding me? Kyle I'm, was I'm looking for. You still go on Trulia, you still go on Trulia and look at Cleveland apartments. <laughs> Something near the casino. It's like, like a four bedroom apartment. Um, yeah, that the there's a couple signs, right? The abandoned motels. That's a problem. Um, when you see put, like signs for the store and it's just selling trees and bees, which we saw at one point. <laughs> <laughs> trees and bees just is your that's your business plan. It's
1: just a store. We, we have trees, trees and bees. bees.
0: That's all and we have. not
1: other stores around it. It was like a home where yeah. the front was converted into This wasn't a store in Baker. Front. This was
0: later. Yeah, yeah. As we kept driving. Um, that's always a red flag to me when there's a sign for no more gas for another 25 miles. Again, where it's like, all that's right, a Death Valley special. These next twenty five miles, if anything happens, I'm just fucked. <laughs> I, I die. If my car breaks down right now. I'm dead, or I'm walking twenty five miles in Death Valley to the gas station. Yeah. So, the trip was fun though. We uh, we shortcutted trying to go to Burbank to drop our rental car off, and for. I would say 35 40 minutes drove through some part of California that I didn't had never been through before and you just realize how gigantic California is and how weird it is. Yeah. California is the size of the entire east coast. Well, I mean and it's you know it's like the either the
1: second or third biggest economy in the world. It doesn't it's not surprising. Yeah. It's just like you just forget. And it could be its own country.
0: Um other thing we want to talk about was Euphoria. <laughs> I know you were disappointed yesterday. It was only a one dick episode. You were hoping. How dare you? You were hoping for a 30 dicker. I definitely was not. I I never root for that. Uh, We both love the show. I thought last night's show, I don't want to spoil it. I guess we'll make this the end of the podcast. So if people either haven't caught up or haven't watched the show, we don't want to spoil it. But I just think it's so exceptionally well done. And well-acted. And I've just never seen a show like it. It's I don't even know if I totally like it. I just know I haven't had an ex, a visual experience with a show like this I where love, I'm just prepared for all bad behavior at all times. I love
1: the the, the way that you just set that up. The, the For me... You know, with with Game of Thrones, I was always at the very beginning of of the episode looking for certain signs of things that I want to come out of it. I mean, I'm always looking for a strong end.
0: You're looking for the end and the
1: SSC. The beginning of, of uh, Euphoria is I cringe now. Because it gives warnings about all kinds of stuff that is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's
0: trauma watching. It's trauma TV. I'm going to be traumatized. I just—I yeah, know they, it going in. It, they ask you to text somebody after the show to to deal with whatever emotion has been triggered in you. I've never seen a show like that.
1: They—they—they they, they hit thirty depraved human behaviors in every episode. If you have any of these problems in your life or know anybody who has any of these problems, here's the number to call, but they cover the entire gamut of the bad shit, the worst shit that can happen to somebody or that or another person can do to, to another person. Any and sexual
0: prolification.
1: kids as the vehicle. It is, it's a hard watch for me. I'm just telling you right now, it's not an easy, I can't sit down and be tired or be uh, uh, depressed or have something on my mind when I'm watching Euphoria. Having said
0: all of that, I think it's fucking brilliant. I think it's brilliant too. And I think it's interesting. The criticism that seems to be against it. First of all, the 20-somethings. Are actually the demo that seem like are the most split on it and a lot don't like it, which doesn't surprise me. Um, I think you have to look at it as this is not supposed to be a realistic show. It's not representative of, yeah, of they're the They're not demo. like, hey, here's here's what life is like in LA with rich kids these days. This is a worst case scenario, craziest case scenario. It's gonzo. It's It's basically like, all of your worst fears, or just things you've heard about, or things you don't totally understand, but on PEDs,
1: yeah, that's the show. Yeah, and I, I'm asking. Let me ask you. I don't sit and watch it as a, as a parent and say, "Oh, I hope all these things don't happen to my kid." When I watch these kids, because yeah, your kids through not old stuff. enough yet. But well, this is what I was just going to ask you. Do you have that experience watching this show? Yeah. <laughs> How
0: do I not? <laughs> well, I be I mean, I mean I, mean, so I learned yesterday, but I'm not letting my daughter in a fucking merry-go-round again. <laughs> That's it. Oh, no. You're fourteen. Oh, no. no more merry-go-rounds for you. The carousel,
1: carousel, the carousel. Yeah, no more. Oh my you're god, you're done. Let's not talk. You're done. We can't. Nobody be, over eight should be on a merry-go-round. I learned that last night. We can't be any more explicit about what way,
0: happened that, in that scene. That was like not even one of the top six most it traumatizing not, moments. Not even. Cl- it wasn't even traumatizing, as far as I was concerned. Well, we. I mentioned it earlier it was a one dick episode. Unfortunately. The one dick was the most traumatized moment of the episode, which was this giant fat guy jerking off to, what was she, like an 11-year-old? Yeah, she's supposed to be 11 in that scene. Or, or yeah. Where or she tw- 11, uh, somewhere 12, or in there. 13. Yeah,
1: one of those ages. Did you see it, Kyle?
0: No. Have not. I can't unsee it. Well, I mean, here's There's the thing. There's been nine things that's happened on this show that I cannot unsee. This is
1: how the show communicates to you the experience that you're about to undergo. It's in the first five minutes of the show. And what they're doing is setting up this traumatic experience that one of the lead characters underwent as a, as a child uh, because an eleven Zendaya. year or twelve years? That, no, this wasn't Zendaya. It was, oh, you're uh, talking
0: about yesterday's episode? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 No, this is the setup of the show. The setup of the, the they're giving us this flashback into her her childhood, right? Where she was institutionalized. Yeah, and they want to show us what it is like in this particular facility. But she was
0: introduced to because it was a boy who was convinced she was a girl. And yes. then she transitions later. All, all but true. the parents are like, wait yeah. a second, you're a boy. What are you doing?
1: But but the thing is, like, the show didn't have to show a, a gigantic guy jerking off to tell us that the institution was going to be rough, that it was a scary place. I didn't need to see his dick in his hand and him yelling bad curse words yeah, but they, they- to, to, to show that it's a
0: youth facility for troubled youth. Institutionalized. I'm going youth. the other way. It it really banged home to me how <laughs> troubled that place was. <laughs> it gave you, it was head. like, oh, there's a fat guy jerking off. This is a place I don't want to be. Yeah, right no, here. No youth wants to be in that
1: place. No, no. And, and so it was like not a stretch at all that, that she. It was he, he was a he uh, in those in that at that time in, uh, of his life
0: pre pre transition. My favorite character is the one who's kind of becoming. A porn, I don't want to say star, but she's feeling her oats in, in the porn scene. Yes. And that actress, I don't know what her name is, but I think she's fantastic. But last episode, she was involved in last last week's most traumatic episode or moment of the episode, which was some guy was paying her to interact she's online on some online. porn site. Yes, And it was some guy with like the tiniest possible penis who just wanted her to laugh at him about how small his penis was. And then when she was laughing, he was like really enjoying it. Like, he was Tell me robot. how small yeah. it is. Yes. Kyle, you didn't see this scene, did, did you? not see Kyle, this Kyle, this was the most disturbing thing that's ever been on HBO. Oh my God. Hands down. God. Shit. And there's been a lot of disturbing shit on HBO. HBO is the place that 20 years ago gave us out of BC, knocking out that dude, putting his headphones on, and then raping him in Oz, the, which- I remember I called you after that episode just because I needed to talk to somebody. It's still traumatic. It's not, it's no less traumatic yeah. today. This is a channel that gave us out BC. Yes, that's right. And last week's episode of Tiny Dick Guy um, was the single most awful thing I've ever seen on HBO. It's and so, yet I
1: keep coming back for the show. It's so rare at this stage of my life that I avert my glance. I like, I just, I'm not going to watch this. The I actually, I fast forwarded,
0: yeah, I, I mean, couldn't take it. You know, I was out. I was like, I what is happening? I even the way he was jerking off with why? like just his fingers, like I, it, was, oh, it was awful. awful. Like fingers. way too authentic. Yes, he had a little tiny dick.
1: <laughs> it's it's so like I it, it is like a, a level of reality that doesn't feel necessary. This is the thing like But that's
0: what it does. This is why the show's so great. It it it's so raw. It's so over the top with everything that it's even over the top with this stuff where it's like, all right, it can't just be her having a pay for porn experience. We have to leave this experience just being completely traumatized by it.
1: Yeah. Uh, The the thing is, it has a point. The story, it's not just these incredible, you know, uh, depraved behaviors in the light of day, you know, uh, assaulting our senses. The this, this story arc of, of yesterday's uh, episode that mainly took place at this fair.
0: At a carnival in Malibu. A, yeah. W-
1: it, w- it was stunning. It was visually stunning. The music was incredible.
0: I, I thought it was like one of the best 40-minute stretches I've seen in a show in a while. I can't agree more. It was, I could not agree more. It was perfectly crafted. More. It was building. There was an intensity to it that... It just wouldn't, it was kind of relentless. It, I thought it was amazing. It sucked me in. I, I was emotionally
1: attached. Zendaya's character looking for her little sister. I was worried something bad was, was looming, lurking for the little sister. I was
0: worried that the the dad was going to kill
1: Jules. Well, Jules reconfronted, you know, her, her, her the, the... Yeah, uh, her uh, one night hookup. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of a spoil we wanted to give away though, no, we've But We've already spoiled. Some yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, an, an incredible recombination there. And and Jules
0: sucking in. Plus, a tough one for you because a scary moment that also had chili. <laughs> oh, the chili. It, it was a chili station, so you're getting hungry by the chili, but you're scared. Oh, I was I was repulsed by it when it, when I realized who the guy was. Yeah, but the the chili still looked pretty good.
1: Though. The chili looked good. And, he spilled uh, the
0: chili. You got upset. It was, it was, like uh, it was upsetting. Chili. That the
1: chili got got spilled. Yes, <laughs> that was an upsetting moment for me, among many upsetting moments during that that. But it was so uh, it, intensely visual. It was so um, uh, it was a five sense experience. It really those was forty minutes. And
0: this is why I'd, I will defend the show to the death. It is incredibly well done and incredibly well acted. And I did not expect to like it, especially being at this stage where my daughter's going to high school next year. And I'm not really looking for shows and movies that uh, accentuate every fear I have about my daughter going to an L.A. high school.
1: But this show's really good. The young adults that are acting in this, I don't know any of them except for Zendaya. They're fucking incredible.
0: Well, one of the guys is from... uh, is the tall guy from one of those Netflix movies? Because my daughter loves him.
1: Okay. Well, that doesn't
0: Jake Elordi or whatever. I think he was okay. into All the Boys I Loved Before. Okay. Um, I don't recognize him. I don't recognize any of them except well, for. Well, let me tell you, this is a different performance for him <laughs> than uh, than the Netflix movie. Well, the payoff, and then the the the, the porn the, lady is a famous uh, famous model. Oh, okay. She's like a plus size model oh, oh, who's great. done a lot of like body stuff. Terrific. And then the trans character is a famous trans model, too. Okay, great. I hadn't. I wasn't aware of any of their work. Yeah. They're they, they, all they, incredible they very actors actresses. Yes, I'm, I'm blown away by them. Well, the funny thing is Zendaya is like a god for teenagers. Like, she was one of the OG Mount Rushmore Disney stars. So, if they saw her on this show. I, I don't really know the demo for this show, and I don't think HBO really does either. I just think they're proud of it, but... I'll be interested to see what kind of tale it is and whether people catch up. Because I'll tell you this. It's not a binge watch show. No. It's not like, oh, I'm going to catch up on these four episodes of Euphoria. This is like I one hour watch. and you're good.
1: That's it. I do
0: not want to watch. Succession was a binge watch show. It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. what's the Succession? I'll watch well, three Because the story
1: yeah. behaved that way. I, I can't handle it more
0: than an hour of Euphoria. I need I, a week to recover. It's a full week recovery time for me. We were we watched it last night with my wife. And all of us were kind of like, didn't know what to do after <laughs> what what did we do?
1: I don't even remember. I think we
0: all just decided to just call it a day. I think so. I put on Sports Center. That is, I got in bed and put on Sports Center to just collect my thoughts. Yeah, I I wonder what the cutoff is for kids watching this, but I'm sure high school. But I think like sixteen and under. I, I don't know. No way. I, I mean, I, I I just can't imagine. I let my kids watch just about everything. I wouldn't let my kids go near this. No way. I feel like it should be twenty one. Tell me how small it is. God.
1: Fucking the it. worst. It's just the worst. What a show. Yeah. It's the
0: show of the year for me. I agree with you. I also like uh I really like the Showtime show with Russell Crowe, um, The Loudest Voice. It's just started. about Roger Ailes. Episode two is the Seven yesterday. episodes. He's like, it's done. He's winning the Emmy. Oh, wow.
1: He's that good. I haven't, I deliberately didn't watch last night. You guys went upstairs and watched it. I know. No, no wanna, I,
0: I watched 10 minutes and fell asleep.
1: Yeah. I don't, I, I want to watch episode one. I want to watch this one in sequence. I, I think w- it's a fascinating story.
0: I was still reeling from staying up late in Vegas and then getting up at eight o'clock to watch the women's team.
1: I'm interested to see. They can't romanticize it, right? Because well. he's not a good dude, he's a terrible person. So they can't show. Re- oh, he's oh,
0: he is not romanticized. Okay, good. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's no like retelling that story that that puts
0: shines a good light. It's the most cynical way to make money. I gotta say that the most shocking thing to me about that show is, I learned stuff. I had no idea like how the fox. I don't watch the Fox News Channel. I I didn't really know the background for how it started and you know what what the intentions were and. How it was like a race against MSNBC to right. get their version of a show versus, and and just like what, for lack of a better word, a visionary he was mm-hmm. with creating a show and being like, there's no show for these people. We have to create it. Or no network for these people. Right. Why is that? Let's create it for them. Let's go all in on this idea. And it's smart. And But they paint all the, it becomes clear pretty quickly what a loathsome guy he's going to become as mm-hmm. this goes along. Right. It, by the way, the show starts with him dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's... Well, then I'm in. I want to watch it. Yeah, it's they're not interested in the hagiography of Roger rails Hallelujah. Uh, House, fairway rolling this week. And then... Um, we we're we were at the pre-pre-British. Pre-pre-British. Yeah, that's
1: the pre-preview for the British Open. They're, the Scottish Open's coming up. And this incredible kid, Matthew Wolfe, who just turned, turned pro... A month ago, he won the NCAA uh, individual title Yeah, barely two months ago and then came on and won in his first handful of PGA Tour events. There are only... his third one. His, 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 his third event. That's exactly right. There are seven golfers in the history of professional golf who have won a professional tournament before turning 21. Every one of those has at least three majors. And this kid... Is now lined up. I mean, you know, it's 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 a new. You left out that start. he won with an eagle. He won with an eagle on the 18th hole to win by a stroke, to win by a single stroke, and it was you know he it was it was an impossible putt from the fringe. Yeah, Matthew Wolf is the homie. The Wolf Pack is is all over him. Wolf and, two f's. Well, uh, I think two, it's two o's. Fs. Two o's. I think it's W O O L F. Oh, really? I think that's what it is. Maybe I, Wolfpack
0: pack works better if the spelling's weird. <laughs>
1: well, sure. Right. I, I, maybe I got it wrong. I, I need to see it. To, to. But anyway, a great story. And the Open Championship is returning to Northern Ireland. So great golf storylines
0: coming up. House, pleasure as always. Always. Thanks to Joe House. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out at ZipRecruiter.comslash BS. Thanks to Whole Lotta, the new Tasty New Fruit Nut and Seed Bar from Cliff Bar. Soft baked snack bar, all the goodness you want, like pumpkin seeds, almonds, cashews, dried cherries, or ginger. None of the stuff you don't want. No gluten, soy, dairy, or added sugar. Plus, packed with 10 grams of plant-based protein, visit cliffbar.com slash BS for 35% off a trial pack of Cliff Bar's new whole lot of bars. Cliff Bar with one F, cliffbar.com slash BS.